Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Tony Poon. This is episode 329. I am joined, as always, by my co-host Stacy. That is at StacyPad89 on Twitter. Stacy, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Wondering why it's still so freaking hot now, man. What? what it's not still. Like, it wasn't hot. And then yeah, now, all of a sudden... You had, like, a week where you thought, all right, it's fall, and now, yeah, it's back to, like, I don't know, I just went for a walk. It had to be 85 degrees. Oh, nice flex, dude. Congrats on the walk. <laughs> I didn't say run. I'm an old man, you know. <laughs> uh, we, are joined. <laughs> we are joined uh, today by Jeffrey Rasmussen. You know him on Twitter as at FrankBarrett119. Jeff, how are you doing on, uh, I guess we can call it a Victory Monday, by the way. Uh, Tuesday? We... Or Tuesday, sorry. <laughs> Victory Tuesday. Um... I'm doing well. I'm thrilled it's 85 degrees. It's been in the 90s, you know, all for months. So, you know, 85 degrees is a win for me. I'm excited for to get it down. Yeah, I'm no, feeling you're... really I'm feeling really stupid though. You said it could be victory Monday slash Tuesday. What what is the victory? Uh Team USA defeated uh ah. Italy. Uh, our first victory over Italy since um the invasion of Sicily uh during World War II. So um, it's weird because I heard how much better basketball was in Europe, so I just expected USA to. I mean, if you if if you watch the game, Sean, I don't know. The refs seem to be engaging in some uh, anti-Italian discrimination. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Sylvia would be too thrilled. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Maybe we'll we'll have to protest at the uh, Columbus Day Parade, uh, but. Before we get started, uh, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on IG. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you have to be watching this right now if you are watching. Uh, if you have not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez, you also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. That comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland's own Discord. The conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I ran train the next even more. You also get access to the new Strickland. NFL show called Strictly NFL. Jeff is actually one of the hosts of that show, uh, alongside Con Constantine, our newest member of the Strickland. And of course, you get access to wonderful premium articles written by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on podcasts, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours. Truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this will be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, we are here not to talk about 
FIBA, which is stupid, and people are stupid about FIBA. Uh, I did, I, I did appreciate your joke, Jeff, because I you know we can at least talk about it a little bit. I thought the overreactions to losing to Lithuania on what was it? Was that Sunday? Um, that was insane. Like it was like this huge referendum on American hoops, and and the funniest thing I think about all of it is. Um, was like the people that are like, uh, this is like what happens when you disrespect international competition. And I'm like, man, we brought the actual A-list to the Olympics and they lost like two games, right? Like they lost a couple games with Durant, Booker, all these fucking dudes. Like, this is not about disrespect. Like, we scored 104 points. The defense was not good, obviously. Lithuania also shot like absurd from three. I mean... I think our, our good friend, once Nick, always Nick, Mindagas Kuzminskis hit the most absurd three I've seen in a long time, where he basically got stripped on the baseline, caught it with under a second left on the shot clock, turned around on a fade, and just absolutely cashed the shot. Um, like, it reminded me a little bit of that Bogdanovich three uh, in the Hawk series, where it went like literally right through Arch's hands. That was yes, I, Jeff. I can understand. Is a little triggered by that, but it was just such a. It look, you go from feeling like you have a winning moment to disaster. So yeah, it was like if he was a lefty and he did it in Miami, we would have spent the night celebrating him. You know, it was like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just thought that it was such a weird conversation that was ongoing, and then it's like people just bring their own random. Like they're like people are like oh like they should have brought Jalen Green. Like really. Yeah, like Jalen Green was gonna lock lock guys up. Was that is that what there was, was gonna there happen? There was one, the only player I saw that mentioned in that vein that they should have brought this guy. Uh, give Lithuania credit; um, they had what eighteen offensive rebounds. That is a known weakness of this Knicks team, particularly with Jaron Jackson yes. there. So, yes. for people saying Mitchell Robinson should have been on the team as a result of that, hey, I, I've been the Mitch guy for a while, and that was. Um, but I mean. Give Lithuania credit. Belanchunas played well. Um, they're, I mean, th- like they are. These are NBA players, and um, I don't think it was. And it wasn't it also a meaningless game though for for the US. Like, there's no consequences, right? It actually, you yeah. could argue, helped them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you, I mean, they weren't tanking. I'm not implying they were tanking, but their path to the final is now much easier. Uh, I mean, as we saw this morning, Italy is a pre- preferable opponent to Serbia. Serbia literally beat Lithuania, who just beat America. You think uh, Serbia could win it all if they had Jokic? I mean, oh, if they had Jokic, for sure they'd be. I mean, you think he'd be the favorite over the U.S.? No, they wouldn't be. The America will, would would. You pretty? Are we? Are I, we I, sure Jokic has that dog in him though? <laughs> yeah, Jokic has never been a world champion in the NBA, so you know the NBA doesn't I, count as a world. Champion. I do want. I do want to say I. I this is a conversation for another podcast. I just wanted to get this little snippet in there. I do think there is some merit to the idea that like the way European teams play, they do a better job of maximizing their parts than NBA teams. That's that's, And I think it's kind of an interesting conversation because it it's informative of how team building works. And it's informative that, in the fact that you can't just throw a bunch of players together and expect them to work. Like America has always worked because the talent gap is so incredibly wide. But if somehow you recreated the scenario where the talent was similar and America just tried to throw the teams that they've been throwing together, like in 08, 2012, like, yeah, they were awesome, but they have like, you know, a bunch of the greatest players of all time. Um, so anyways, that's, I just wanted to say that I do, I do think that 
there is some merit to that. Like Europe is really good in that in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. Europe, Europe is good, and uh, they should thank us for existing, for saving them in two world wars. Fuck Europe. Just kidding. Um, but we are going to talk about betting stuff, and if you are interested in betting, bet online. Here's your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. But online can used to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action or use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Unfortunately, uh, as amazing as our bet online sponsors are, they do not have the uh, necessary NBA futures up uh, that we are going to discuss, but we are here to discuss futures. We are here to tell you um, how to lose your money by uh, finding the right values that we think will pay out uh, for the best division, conference, and title bets on the board. Uh, we're going to start talking at the conference and division level. Uh, let's just start with the Atlantic because uh, we're all diehard Celtics fans here. Uh <laughs> Uh, no, we're all diehard Knicks fans. Uh, I I don't know if this makes I I don't think this makes me a homer. I think the Knicks plus eight hundred to win the Atlantic is fucking great value. Like I really really like it. Uh, they were on a fifty six win pace after the Josh Hart trade. Josh Hart obviously is still on the Knicks, uh, and I don't even think the fifty. I think the fifty six win pace actually that like that we calculated out actually kind of sells them a little bit short because we know the last couple of games of the season, they basically didn't play anybody. Um, they lost both those games, right, to the, to the Pelicans and then the Pacers. You would, like, I know it's, like, fine margins, but a 56-win pace, I mean, that is better than what the Sixers finished last year. I think that's on par with what the Celtics did last year over the full season. Um, I think they're a way better value than Philly. Philly is so we're using FanDuel by the way. Um, although you should definitely only use Bet Online, we're using FanDuel for the purposes of this podcast. Uh, Philadelphia is plus two seventy, and the Celtics are minus one eighty. Uh, the Celtics, I think, will win the division, but the value to me just fucking sucks there. I mean, there's a risk factor on both of those teams. For the yeah. Celtics, they are relying heavily on Porzingis, who I think that was a good acquisition, but health is always a concern there. Um, with the Sixers, even before getting to the elephant in the strip club, um, you know, Embiid has had injury issues. <laughs> Embiid has actually been reasonably good the last couple of years um, of playing, you know, 60, 65 games, but that's not a given as well. Um, but yeah, it's a ticking time bomb. Um, you know, they're a deep team. They've given the Knicks problems. Um, and I think that when you look at the Knicks also, I, I was talking with, with someone on, on Twitter about this, and, you know, the Knicks over-under is set at 45, and he's saying, I think there's a few things. One, people, in with some merit, would suggest that, you know, Randall has been up and down, right? So can we count on getting another season from Julius Randall like last season? The last time they had a good season, they regressed, and he was at the center of that. That's number one. Number two, there are some injury. DiVincenzo has been hurt before. Hart has had some injury issues. Uh, and then, of course, Mitch, right? Um, and then, but I, I think that people are just not realizing how much lower 45 <laughs> is than, to your point, than how they played for a bulk of last season or their depth. And and then with Randall, I think that whatever the playoffs suggest, um, if you look at the difference between 20, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but um, 
the difference between last year and the, the bubble or the, the pandemic year was, um, you know, this was really a, he wasn't shooting. He shot 34% from three. He shot low forties from mid range, which is higher than his career average by a little bit, but it was really a, a very high level shot diet that propelled it. Um, he shot 65% on the rim, took a ton of attempts there. He took a lot of threes that you're happy with, which not only I think boosted his efficiency, even those 34% from three attempts are better than, you know, you'd have to shoot 51% from mid range to equate that, which unless you're Kevin Durant or Chris Paul, that's not going to happen or Brunson, I guess. Um, so I think that that feels a lot sustainable. So I think there's a lot of people just because of what we've seen from the Knicks in the past. I don't even think it's just Knicks bias. It's just a, a little bit of a skepticism to like buy in that they're at this level. But, but to your point, Shwin, you know, even if you don't buy that 56 win pace or the fact that all the young players probably will get incrementally better as well. Um, I think that in, within their own division, like Philly is a ticking time bomb, like 270 is, <laughs> That's that much higher than the Knicks. I mean, you want to say Boston's the favorite. I got no problem there, though. Like I mentioned, KP is some risk, but yeah, compared relative to the Sixers, this definitely feels like great value for the Knicks. I would, I would think there's a better chance they win it than the Sixers at this mm-hmm. point, unless the Harden thing gets completely resolved in a way that seems improbable right now. So you heard it here first, guys. Um, take out a second mortgage, put it all on the Knicks to win the division. Per Stacy, um, <laughs> uh, Jeff, what do you think here? So I'm really glad you brought this up because plus 800 was, I literally looked, I, I spent a while looking through it. Plus 800 is my favorite, but that was, you, you told me to pick a line. That was, when I look at this stuff, I look at relative prices, both other division winners, and then to the, to the team that I like chances of in other bets. And the Knicks are plus 1800 to win the conference. That's like really good. Um, if you look at other teams in the conference, like, the Hawks are plus three thousand. Like they're clearly in a tier that the betting markets clearly view them in a tier above. Which is Do you good. think they gave the Hawks plus three thousand in honor of Andre three thousand native Atlian? <laughs> <laughs> I I couldn't begin to tell you, but I mean that's as good a theory as any. Um, so if you think about how the Knicks work and how they're currently constructed. I personally believe they're far more likely to win the division than they are to win the conference. Obviously, like that's that's obvious. And, but what what I what I'm trying to say is like they're uniquely skewed in a way that other teams aren't. Like I think there are actually a lot of outcomes where they win the division but like lose in the first round because Tibbs gonna Tibbs. Where I don't think the un, I don't think the other way works. I don't think Tibbs does the thing where he's like I don't think he does the Budenholzer thing from 2021 where they took a step back in the regular season because they were preparing for the playoffs. I, I need to see Tibbs have that in him before I believe it's possible. For now, I'm going to assume he's going to play one way and he's going to try to raise the floor as high as possible and he's going to try to win every second of the regular season and it doesn't matter if they're ill-prepared for a playoff series. Like I think so, that's just and, how, and I just think that's how he's wired. And they're so a young you don't team. think Tibbs has that dog in him? <laughs> but but they're also a young. I think, he, team, I, think right? he, I think he's got I think he's got the regular season dog in him, unlike anybody <laughs> else. Like I, I definitely think he's got that dog in him. Yeah, he just uh, it turns into something else in the playoffs. But <laughs> I mean, who is going to be a candidate for load management? Maybe Mitch. Um, you know, maybe Randall after the introduction last year. Give me a break. Work. Load management? Are you joking? Well, I'm saying even <laughs> even if it wasn't Tibbs, the the Knicks have a bunch of guys who are in their younger. They don't really have, you know, they have a bunch of young guys, right? So it's different from a team like Philly, which Embiid, load managing Embiid makes sense, whoever your coach is, right? 
Um, KP, obviously, I would imagine, is not going to play. So they're also, I think, to your point, even removing the tips factor, less of a risk, I think, to have guys just bench. And they have a lot of depth even if they want to do that. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think they're a legitimate candidate to win sixty games. And I don't think people understand that. I, they're 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 as constructed a really good team. I, and it's sad because I, I still I texted Schwinn this the other day. I asked him if he would bet on them today to win a playoff series. He said yes. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I would say like if somebody offered me one, minus one ten, will the Knicks win a playoff series this year? I'm not sure I would take that, but. They're set up to be a really good regular season team with a really high floor. Um, they're safer than the Sixers for sure. Um, and I think you could argue from a regular, I don't think that, I think the Celtics have reached the point where they're not indifferent to the regular season, but like if they got the three seed, I think they could, they, they've been so successful. I don't think that would, I think they, they are much more concerned with getting the playoffs healthy than, than, than the Knicks will be. I think, um, so to, I don't think the, the way I look at the, so if you just look at the conference prices, um, like the Bucks are plus 290, Heat plus 450. By the way, the, the Heat plus 450, that's like, they've got to be pricing in Dame. Like that, that has to be Dame because if it's just based on like what the current rosters are, that makes no sense. The Celtics are the favorite plus 210, Sixers plus 650. And then you have the Cavs at plus nine fifty. And then you you mentioned the Hawks. The Hawks are plus three thousand to win the conference, right? So after the Cavs, it's plus nine fifty. The Knicks are the sixth favorite in the conference. They're plus eighteen hundred. So basically, to me, it feels like the book is pricing the Knicks in as they're in their own tier. Like they are in their own tier as a team. Um, and. I think that's a mistake. Like, I think the Cavs, and, you know, Jeff, I, I, I think I, was it you that was on the Strictly NFL one? You were talking about, like, look, these guys, this is their job. Like, they're not making mistakes on the prices, but, like, sometimes you find value, right? This is, like, how sure. punters make their money. And I'll put it this way if you get on to, I, I think if you grab Knicks plus 800 to win the division, I feel pretty confident that at some point in season, you're going to be able, to cash that bet in at a profit. Um, like, like it might not cash out, you know, the Knicks might not win the division, not a big shocker, but like, I think within two, three months, those odds are going to shorten, uh, and you'll be able to trade that in. And, and like, you know, is that what you really want to do? I don't know, but I think in terms of just pure value, I think Knicks plus 800 to win the division is really, really good. And, and honestly, like, you know, Stacey mentioned this. I don't understand the Philly thing at all. Um, and I guess it's worth mentioning like the other guys in the division here, uh, which are Brooklyn plus 2200, Toronto plus 2500. Like, I don't, I think that's like you're throwing away money betting on either of those teams. They don't have any semblance of like a good point guard on either of those rosters. I know Dennis Schroeder turns into like Damian Lillard and FIBA, but, um, he is very much not Damian Lillard in the NBA. And, uh, I, I just am out on both those teams as even, you know, options to, to win the division. But like the Philly thing, I really don't get it. Like I, I think they're priced in at a, such a crazy level where it's like they're almost treating them. It's like you're just valuing the talent and you're not pricing in any risk of like 
James Harden doing James Harden things or in season trade or whatever. And like, and you know, you mentioned the injury risk with Embiid also. I, I just don't see it. I think they've got so much risk. Um, and you mentioned the Celtics. Like, the thing with the Celtics is like, it's not just Porzingis that's an injury risk. Horford is like 9,000 years old. Robert Williams can never stay healthy. And Malcolm Brogdon doesn't stay healthy. Um, like, that's four guys in the rotation that I think are at. Re- and like, let's be honest about KP too. I think, I don't think last year was a fluke, but I also think he played at such a high level last year that it's not guaranteed he hits that again. Um, and more importantly, like he's moving to a new team. It's a totally different kind of hierarchy, right? Like playing with Bradley Beal half the time and Kyle Kuzma is a lot different than playing with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who play all the time. Like they play games. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not load management gods. Like they play when they're healthy and they play a lot of minutes. So like he's going to be the third banana in that we saw him in Dallas struggle. I know like, look, neither Tatum or Brown is the kind of heliocentric uh, style of player that Luca is, but um, does Porzingis as your third option, like how does he adjust to that? How, how does he play? Um, does that take a little bit of time? Like, let's say that takes, I mean, we saw this last year with the Knicks, right? Like it took them 23 games to figure out the right rotation. And then voila, like the team took off, but um, it might take Boston time to figure out like the optimal rotations and, and all this type of stuff with this team. And um, I think, I think they also have to figure out like, they're not going to be able to do as much switching defensively as they did last year or in previous seasons. And so they're going to have to play a, a more traditional kind of like, to be honest, like a Nixie type of defensive scheme where you're playing more drop and you're, and you're not switching and you're fighting over screens consistently and all this type of stuff. It's a different, it's it just so much is different for them that like, I, I do believe they are the favorite. And even with the injury risk, I think that's like a pretty, like, I think they're, they're priced in. Okay. Um, but I, I think the injury risk opens up the door and that's why the plus 800 for the Knicks is a much, it's, it's just a good value. I just want to say uh, regarding the Sixers, I'm a lot less offended by the conference price than the division price, actually. And I, I feel like – so I, I think a lot of Knicks fans are going to see, like, Cavs plus 950 to win the conference and Knicks plus 1800 to win the conference and be like, oh, that's, like, crazy. Like, what the hell? Like, Knicks just beat the Cavs. But what you have to understand is that the conference prices – isn't, like, singular matchups. Like, if the Knicks right. and the Cavs – if the Knicks and the Cavs played each other again – I have to assume that it, it's going to be pretty close to a pick like based on who has home court and stuff. The Knicks are clearly a good matchup against the Cavs. But these prices aren't who would win in a direct matchup. It's who's most likely to catch fire and win three playoff series in three different matchups. And the Sixers, say what you want. Like, I know people will get the second-round jokes off. I'm here for them. Like, I, I know Embiid's never made it to a conference finals. But they're still probably more likely – they, they still have the pieces in place to raise the ceiling high enough to win the conference, whereas I'm less certain that they're, like, a candidate to consistently across 82 games win enough games to win the division. So, like, I think there are a lot more outcomes where they don't win the division and then get hot in the playoffs than there are where where it's, like, 2021 and they're the one seed again and Embiid. Like, I think Embiid's got his MVP, honestly. I think, I think, I think he's done, like, Oh, we're going to win 60 games. Like again, I, I don't think he, I'm not going to say he's he's not going to try. Of course he's going to try. But it's just I think I think his primary focus moving forward is going to be the playoffs cuz 
frankly, I think he's fucking sick of losing in the playoffs. And so when you think about betting, making bets like this, you can't think like the conference, you have to think about ceiling and who's most likely to win three playoff series and which team is best suited to, okay, they won a first round matchup against this team, but now they have to play a different style in round two. And, uh, I don't think the Cavs and Knicks are super mispriced that way. I think I've made my feelings pretty clear about the Knicks' ability to adapt in that way. I, I hope I'm proven wrong. Uh, and I think the Sixers with Embiid, and if Harden isn't traded and is like, okay, I want to play basketball, I, I do think that they have a, a chance to get hot in the playoffs and make a run. Have you considered that uh, as – I think uh, this is Constantine uh, mentions here. Other teams don't have FIBA origin. We do. Um, great point. And why well, I agree with. Uh, I think this uh, just, we can finish up. We've been talking about the Atlantic. We could probably talk about the Atlantic the entire time because we're Knicks fans. Uh, but I did want to bring up this comment here. This is from Yasser. Uh, I don't know. 60 wins is incredibly hard. Did any team get 60 last season? I know the Nuggets didn't, although they were trolling last few months. Still seems difficult. Uh, Jeff, do you want to just kind of like, you know, why do you think six? Because even for me, like I think sixty is a lot. Um, why do you think this team could just be like an absolute regular season machine uh, to the degree, like you know, fifty five wins would be amazing. That would be the most wins the Knicks have had this millennium, um, probably since maybe even like probably since the ninety six ninety seven team. Um, why, why do you think sixty wins is on the board for them? Um. I just think that all the factors are in line. Like, okay, so they're going to have a nine-man rotation of nine above average. Like, they, they don't have a minute where they're giving anything away, if you, like, if you think mm-hmm. about it. Just every single player who plays on the court will, won't be exploitable. They'll be good. Um, I mean, I guess unless we get a repeat of RJ last season, that's a different conversation, though. That would be upsetting. I don't. I don't see that happening. Um, yeah, I think RJ is going to have like. A, I think he struggled with a lot of shit last year. That was about kind of slotting into a new role. Um, and whether it, however long it took, I do feel like he figured something out in the playoffs. And I do. I think it's worth mentioning, like whatever he struggles with in the regular season, when there are stakes, I think he just gets on with it. Like he accepts. Yeah what his role is at that point and just executes it because in FIBA, like he's not on ball anywhere near as much as I'm sure that he'd prefer to be. And I think he just accepts it and gives his maximum effort in whatever his role is at that point. Um, and and my, yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. my, my, my dad said something about him that his rookie year that I found that always has stuck with me. And he said the thing he likes most, he liked most about RJ's rookie year is how even keeled he was. Like, you never, if you watch him, you can very rarely tell when things are going really well or when things are going really poorly. And that's just the sign of a really mentally mature person. And, you know, as NBA fans, like you've said multiple times on this pod, like he has that dog in him. Like, I just believe in him succeeding. And he hasn't, like, let's be frank, he he hasn't so far, but he's still only 22 years old. There's still plenty of time. um, And he's shown flashes. But to go back to the 61 thing, Stacy Brown, Julius Randall. I I don't think there's any worry about Randall. Like the only chance of Randall regressing in the regular season is if he just turns into a huge asshole and he's mad that Brunson's the guy. Like that is the only outcome to me where he yeah. 
where 2020 or 2021, uh, 2022 Randall comes back because like Stacy alluded to, he didn't do anything outlier levels last season. He, he, his, all of his output and the efficiency of his output was based on where he shot from, not how he shot. So as long as he keeps that attitude up, I don't see, I don't see why it's not sustainable. Like he, he, I guess he'd have to shoot outlier levels of bad the other way. Like if he shot twenty nine percent from three, okay, I guess, I guess that's his regular season regression. And he didn't, he, he shooting, didn't even shoot, he didn't even shoot that hot from three last year. That's the thing. Right. Like it's not, yeah, like he and shot. The volume what, was 30, really high. Can he do it yeah. on eight attempts? Maybe a little bit of concern. But yeah, it's thirty four percent. Yeah, it's not like he was like, oh my god, like it, this is. I, I completely agree. Like, I think whatever our concerns about Randall are, they have to do with very, very specific things. So, like, end of game, st- end of game stuff, and obviously the playoffs, right? Like, like I think, uh, I think uh, I was listening to the KFS pod yesterday that, like, uh, and actually I was talking about this where he's like, "Do you understand that like clutch time is defined as, uh, you know, five? It's like." five points under five minutes, right? A game within five points under five minutes left. And he's like, there are 43 other fucking minutes in the game. Like, like those are the minutes that really matter. Like, they matter just as much as those. And I think that's the best way to think about Randall, right? It's like, you're going to get a very productive player for about 85 to 90% available minutes in the season. Um, and like, yeah, I, I'm just not really worried about the regression with him. Um, and I, I just want to say, the, I, I, Sorry, I just want to, I just want to finish my thought there. Um, and then Tibbs is the last reason. Tibbs, for whatever his flaws are, he's going to have them ready to play all eighty-two games, and he's going to, until you know the end of the season, whether the season's over in a good or a bad way, he is going to try to win every second of every game. And other coaches, not a lot of other coaches, do that. Um, so I'm not saying they're like a favorite to win 60 games. I do think they have a 61 ceiling though. Um, like you take a team that for two thirds of the season played at a 55 win pace, you add in natural progression of players who should progress. Six of their players are under the age of 25 years old. Like six of their nine rotation players are at an age where they should get better. And then you throw in that they're already good players, that their coach wants to win every second. I just, I don't think that it's crazy to say that they have a 60 win ceiling if all the thing, if, if everything goes right. Yeah. Uh, this is from, uh, thank you to Chris Carter for the super chat. Really appreciate it. Uh, I really like Nick's chances to win 50 plus. It's the first time in years they're going into the season knowing what their rotation is. No more Cam Fournier Rose nonsense. They can finally hit the ground running. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and Jeff this is what you're talking about. Like there is no ambiguity now about what they're rotation is like last year we didn't know right it was like uh well cam needs minutes and and like how, what what is quickly's minutes going to be like what are rj like what is rj's role where is grimes going to fit in do we need to start fournier because he makes 18 million dollars and all this stuff like you're balancing all this type of shit and i think that's part of the reason for sure why like it it took tibbs 23 games to kind of like settle on what the hell made sense and i just don't think that exists now like are we, is he going to have to make some decisions? Sure. Like, you know, we've talked about a lot about like, you know, how does DiVincenzo get the minutes that you would assume he's allocated um, given like, you know, he's not OB, he's not going to be treated like the way Tim's treated OB. It's like, but like that is a micro level thing that I don't think materially impacts 
how much they're going to win basketball games too much. Like, I, I really don't. And, um, you know, whatever our concerns about Tibbs, like, I think they're more about the playoffs than they are about can he get us to be a competent regular season team. Like, now that there's no uh, – th- th- now that the Kemba – there's no Kemba here. There's no Alec Burks to play point guard. We are good to go. And I think uh, I think that helps us out a lot. Um, and to, uh, to, yeah. to to Chris to Chris's point, like, and you guys talked about this uh, at the end of your last pod, which was really good. Um, the Knicks are oh, you didn't say this exact number, but you sort of alluded to this point. The Knicks are minus three fifty five to make the playoffs. Can we just like stop and think about how crazy that is? Like, yeah. Minus three fifty five is like eighty percent or something, or set whatever it was seventy seven percent or something. The, and that's not to make the plan. They're they're like they're they're if if you're minus three fifty five to make the playoffs, they think you're just going to outright make the playoffs a huge percentage of the time, um, and not deal with the variance of the playing game. Can we just like stop and appreciate appreciate Tibbs, appreciate Leon Rose? Like again, maybe moves need to be made to raise the ceiling, and maybe I believe that. But these are the people: Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Jalen Brunson for making the decision to come here. These are the pl- people who put this foundation in place. What they do with it and how they move forward is a totally different conversation. But we spent 20 years rooting for a team that was like, oh, my God, Frank Milikina, look at that dig. You know, like, can we can we please just, like, have some appreciation for where we are right now? It's, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, uh, definitely. Um, and I think, like, I felt this a lot in the playoffs too, right? I think with greater, um, you know, we have to be careful not to get too too much on the treadmill of expectations, right? I was definitely guilty of this, but you know, the the playoff loss to to Miami felt so much worse in many ways um, because of because our expectations have been elevated, and you do have to kind of remember to enjoy it, um, and you know, because it's just to be in this position is something we haven't really experienced. Uh, I did want to follow up, so. It, the thing is this, historically, if you're a 60-win team, you're a title contender. It seems like you're less sold on that, Jeff. Um, and I think a lot of that is probably because of Tibbs. Um, but I think other people would be less sold on it because the other part you brought up was that Tibbs is going to also maximize your regular season. That may cover up some of the top-end talent issues. So I guess the question is this. Is there a scenario either with you know with a different coach, like let's say Steve Kerr coached this team, or you know, or Pop, prime Popovich or someone, someone who could really coach in the playoffs to, to the level you're hoping for, do you think that would make them an actual title contender or do you think that talent gap is really the, the limiting factor more than Tibbs? The top-end talent gap, I should say. I think that their depth of talent should make them... A, the, the league is as balanced as it's ever been. There isn't you know, a Warriors of 2015 to 2018. LeBron isn't at his prime. You know, you don't have to go through that. Like, people are acting like the Suns are like the Suns. I mean, whatever. Like, good luck. Um, I I think I think the title is there for the taking. Um, and I think it all comes down to two things. I think for this Knicks team, it comes down to Julius Randle and just how he handles those big moments, how his, how his processing carries over to the playoffs, because as we've seen now multiple times, he just doesn't get the looks that he gets in the regular season. Things happen faster. He has to be more prepared to, to act quicker. And weirdly, I kind of think he's, I don't know. I I think he could surprise some people this season. Um, And then the other one, the other X factor, in my opinion is RJ Barrett, because 
I don't think they're – I can't think of many players where the divide between what they see for themselves and how they want to play and what their coach wants from them and and the position they play is wider. And like Schwinn talked about with FIBA, if RJ is willing to buy in and can turn himself into a player where his impact is not dictated by scoring in a way that we've seen other Knicks players do, that would be huge for their overall ceiling. Because all of a sudden you have a guy who's starting every game who's playing for rotations that you know Tibbs does or whatever. You know, he's going to play 30 minutes a night probably if you're, he's your starting small forward regardless of the coach. And you can sort of more easily manage the volatility that his shooting brings sometimes because he's bringing it defensively. He's bringing it on the uh, on the glass. He's making the right rim reads. And we've seen those flashes for him. And if he can just bottle that and make it more, more consistent, I think that's huge for the Knicks ceiling. Um, so, yes, I, I do believe that – I do believe that the Knicks can, w- can win a championship with this current core. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to the Central Division here. Uh, the, the odds here, Milwaukee minus 220, Cleveland plus 210. Bulls plus 2,300, Pacers plus 2,500, Pistons plus 10,000. Uh, I got to say, like, I don't think they're not going to win the division, but just as a pure odds play, I don't think the Pacers are priced right here at all. Um, because you I love Halliburton, though. You're a little biased. Yes, I'm a huge Halliburton fan. Uh, no, I just think they're well, like... Rel- relative to the Bulls, that price is a joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I don't understand that. I mean, and they were a they- six seed before Halliburton got benched last year. I mean, before, not benched, but obviously injury and all that right well that and i I just think they're like they're gonna be an an, an annoying ass team to play in the regular season like they play super fast they have a lot better depth now um i think bruce brown is a really nice addition we'll see what jairus walker does as a rookie um but like if he's good as a rookie that's that's good and like do you expect to leave from matherin maybe second year sophomore uh i don't i think but i think what matherin is is like okay, you're an efficient 17-point-per-game scorer off the bench. Like, that's fucking good. <laughs> like, that's that's nice. Um, and I also, like, I was thinking about this yesterday, but, like, the reason why I'm kind of bullish on... There's a reason why we're bullish on the Knicks, right? It's like, oh, they have nine guys that were all productive guys. And, like, I don't think that's a knock on Obi, but, like, Obi was never going to be anything more than, like, a nice rotation piece in New York. And I'm not saying it's guaranteed to happen, but he has so much more upside in Indiana where like, like he's, he's got a chance to really have a higher impact than we ever saw in New York because of just like the opportunity he has and they can benefit from that. And like, I just and think you mean that, like, you mean like a volume impact, right? Not like a yeah. per minute impact. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. his impact was super high per minute in his second year. Yeah, his second year in New York was awesome. I don't, last year was just, I don't even want to get, let's, let's not go back, um, with, to OB discussion anyway. But like, I, I just think I'm very, very, I'm very bullish on this team. I think they're like, I think their playoff odds just to make the playoffs, um, are, are solid. Like, I, I don't really, they're priced at plus 128. They have, the Hawks are at minus 200, for example. Like, I think they're going to be better than the Hawks. Um, and I understand like, Sure, they play in a tougher division, maybe at least in terms of like the two top end teams there, which I don't even fully believe. But like, I just 
I like, I, I think this team is going to be an annoying regular season team. Like, I think they're going to be a team, like, there are going to be nights where you're on a second end of a back to back, and then you come out and fucking Halliburton's throwing outlet passes to Obi, and they're playing at this fucking, like, crazy pace, and you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're good tonight. Like, let's, let's get the hell out of here. Let's take this loss and move on with our lives. Like, I think they're going to be an annoying team that pesters a lot of people. So, um, I, I, I Again, I don't. They're not going to win the division, but like, in terms of just pure odds, yeah, I I do like them here. Um, and then you know, like, who do I think is actually going to win the division? The Bucks. I think the Bucks are, but um, Cleveland is like Cleveland was what I think they had the best net rating in the league last year in the regular season. Um, they they were really they're regular they're built to win regular season games just like the way they exist is a built to win regular season team. I'm not very high on their ceiling in the playoffs. I still think that like ultimately you can talk to me about whatever you want about like oh like the, their threes couldn't shoot last year and that's cool and all but like if Mobley and Allen is your front court in the playoffs, I just think your offense is fucked. Like it, there's no way that's spacing the floor enough and those guys are not physical enough to like own the glass in a way that you would need them to. Uh, maybe Mobley makes some type of offensive leap. Um, and right here, this is from Chris Bernhard. Uh, it's so bizarre to me how people are expecting this massive jump from the Cavs. Sure, Mobley is probably taking the leap, but how many other Cavs are taking a massive jump compared to multiple Knicks? Um, you know, we talked about this, like, it's not what they're saying isn't necessarily like the Cavs are a better team, but they also, like, the schedule is nicer and whatever. There's a lot of th- factors that go into it. Um, I will say, like, I think people are probably sleeping a little bit on what Garland can improve upon, yeah. but in the same vein, like I'm not sure how much of his improvement, how how much impact his improvement can have, given like Donovan Mitchell is the guy on that team. Like I think if Garland had more capacity to take a larger offensive role, I would feel differently about it, but he doesn't. And like the guy that they're really betting on it is Mobley to take like a bigger leap offensively. And I just don't see it. But that being said, like we saw Milwaukee last year, um, like Middleton had a lot of, he had injury issues. And I think Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez had an amazing season last year. He's 35. It's not guaranteed he replicates that or anything close to it. Uh, and then like Giannis, Look, he didn't play in FIBA because of the back injury that he's still recovering from, apparently, um, against against Miami, that he suffered in the playoffs against Miami. Backs are notoriously tricky. He's a gigantic human being. Um, I think there's a little bit of risk there. And then, obviously, like again, Middleton, we saw issues with him last year. And they have a new coach. So we don't know. Like, to your point, Jeff, you mentioned how in 2020, 2021, they sacrificed regular season wins to be more prepared for the playoffs. I think there's a version of like their season where um, who's their coach? I forget what his name is. Jesus, uh, Adrian Griffin, right? Um, that where like he jumps in and and it's he's figuring shit out and he's trying new things and like they sacrifice some wins on the margins. Whereas like I don't see Cleveland having like much like the Knicks. I don't think they have much to figure out. Like they know what their team is. They know what their rotation probably is. Uh, like the main thing they got to figure out is how many minutes to give George Niang at the floor. Like I don't think that's a huge crisis, and you know, screw slots in perfectly at the three. Like I, I just think they they know exactly what they are. Whereas with Milwaukee, I feel like they're going to be spending some time in the regular season figuring shit out. 
Yeah, I'd I'd bet Cleveland just over Milwaukee. And these prices are saying not not like as a better team. Like I think Milwaukee's more likely to win the title because Giannis. Um but I feel like people are sleeping on what a how close Milwaukee is to just like blowing up. Like I, I I mean you guys know I'm probably the last person for some weird reason on Drew Holiday Island. Uh I love Drew. Uh, 34 years great, old. Great and, playoff player. Just his offense. I, you know, yeah. I agree, but you know, just cause he can't make a shot. Look, <laughs> Schwinn, Schwinn, with how we talk about a certain Nick, I don't think we can, you know, crap on somebody else for not being able to make a shot on the playoff and, or crap on their impact, you know. I don't um, think he's a second option on the title team, though. That's, that's the difference. He was, he was once. Um, <laughs> he was once. Middle, yeah. Middleton was, to be fair. But anyway, yeah. we're not doing, well, according, uh, to, we'll, according to some people, Middleton was actually the first option. So. Shut up, ball don't stop. <laughs> um, the way Tween has you know, Middleton <laughs> hasn't been healthy for two seasons now, and like they're a Giannis. Oh, he lands wrong. His his he's got you know, like yeah. I don't know. I, everything you said about Cleveland, like maybe it's not fifty fifty, but these odds are saying that Milwaukee's like over twice as likely to win the Central than Cleveland. That's wrong to me. That I, I don't think that's right. Um, so are you I'm also saying that Giannis will be a? Thing. Are you also saying that Giannis will be a Nick in twenty twenty five? Yeah, I think there's a really good chance. Um, no. um, They're monitoring. I, the I don't know if he's going to be a Nick in twenty twenty five, but I do think like the Milwaukee thing is it's genuinely like if he cares about, I want to win as many championships. I want to win, right? Um, like I genuinely, I don't know how Milwaukee is going to continue to put a contender around him because Drew and Middleton are, like, on the wrong side of 30. Like, we already talked, Brooke is, I mean, how many years can you count on Brooke? I know his game is, like, kind of impervious to age in a lot of ways, but every time you say that, you know, there's, like, obviously a certain point where you're not going to be capable of being what he was last year, which was, quite frankly, like, a deserving defensive player of the year candidate and really a really strong bounce-back offensive season from him. Um and I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, it seems crazy, but I don't really think it's that crazy. And I will say this, since this is like my thing, uh, I think this speaks to some of the risks that are inherent in when you cash in a shit ton of your future chips to win right now, which is what they did in the Drew, Drew trade. And like, when you did that, obviously it's worth it. You want a championship, nobody can take that away from you. But like, they don't have a lot of flexibility to make moves down the line now because they just don't have chips, right? Like, they can't throw in, like, three first and turn Drew into somebody younger. Like, it just, they, they need time for that stock of, of picks that are available to trade to replenish. Um, but I know that's not really the point of this podcast, so yeah. I, I also want to say, just bringing it back to the Cavs, I actually think they're kind of being slept on the other way. Like, I agree with Chris's point that, aside from, you know, who you you, you bring up Garland and how he can improve in his role next to uh, Mitchell. They don't really have internal de- development options outside of Mobley. But I think a lot of people are sleeping on the acquisitions they made. Maybe I'm alone here. Like, I've seen a lot of people just sort of shrug off, like all Max Struess and George Niang. Um, but people need to understand that in the Cavs' sake, you're not comparing Max Struess to, like, all the other NBA players you're specifically comparing him to the 
wings that he's taking the place of. And they had legitimately the worst ring, wing rotation in the NBA last season. They didn't have average wings. It's not like, oh, they're going from an average wing to a slightly above average wing. No, they're going from Isaac Okoro and Jetty Osman to Max Struess. That's a huge deal. Well, they had Levert too, right? So, I mean, Levert's the Yeah, that's right. fine. But he was he was always more of like a six-man and like played closing laps with the two. Now, all of a sudden, they've got and – and I'm probably lower on Levert than most people in general. But uh, – um. And then with Niang, the same thing kind of applies. Like, I don't think Niang's some great player. I'm a little skeptical about how that'll hold up in the playoffs. But they did, when they didn't have Mobley and Allen on the court, they didn't have options. Like, they, they had nothing to go to with their backup big options. Now they have someone who can play the, play next to both of them. You know, like Mobley can be the center, but also like Niang can sort of, play the stretch five role in a lot of ways. And then he can also be a four next, a pure four next to Jared Allen. So, you know, again, I think those, those two additions are actually going to mean more in, at least in the regular season for sure, than people are giving credit for. I really like plus two ten. I, I would bet that in a heartbeat over betting minus two twenty at Milwaukee. And then I, yeah, I would sprinkle a little on Indiana because again, yeah. Indiana doesn't need to have a super high regular ceiling regular season ceiling if they want to win the division all it takes is a milwaukee is is a Giannis injury and boom 52 wins could win the division yeah and and i also think like i want to be clear i actually i agree with you i like like if i'm if i was gonna bet this division i would take the Cavs. i just don't like like the odds aren't long enough for me like i i, I want them to be a little bit longer especially like if you're gonna the thing with these bets right is like you're basically invested for fucking seven months like which is fine, but it's also really annoying where you're like, damn, I really wish I had like this hundred dollars that I could bet on something else right now. Um, but yeah, like it, I, I, I agree. I think, I think the cat, if you're going to bet the division, the Cavs is where the value is. Um, in that sense, the Bucks minus 220, not interested at all. Um, all right. I think, uh, let's, let's finish up here with the Eastern Conference anyway. Uh, Southeast Division. This one is brutal to me. So it's Heat minus 185, Hawks plus 230, Magic plus 750, Hornets plus 3,000, Washington Wizards, the Jordan Poole-led Washington Wizards plus 12,000. Um, I think that, like, I just can't not take Miami in this division. I I actually kind of, like, it's weird. I know the Hawks didn't do a lot this offseason, but I kind of, like, like that they didn't. I think they they added Quinn Snyder last year midseason uh i think there's value to be had there in just terms of like he can help with the full offseason obviously um and i think like they're gonna naturally have to give more minutes to some of the young guys in their roster that i think needed more minutes anyway like aj griffin jalen johnson onyeko okongwu uh which is that's a weird situation it's kind of like their ob um his like he just can't play a lot of minutes as long as Quinn capella is there so i you know, it is what it is, but uh, I, I kind of like, again, I, I don't, they're not going to win the division, but I kind of think the Hornets are priced badly. I, I, I like plus 3,000. Uh, they had a disaster year last year. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong for them. I would assume LaMelo, like you can bet on him probably being healthier this year. Um, unfortunately, Miles Bridges is back, and while he's a terrible human being, he's a pretty valuable basketball player for them. Um, and I like, like, I think 
Mark Williams was a nice little boost for them the second half of the year. Their defense, I think after the All-Star break, they might have been the second or third best defense in the league, maybe even the best. I don't remember what it was. They were really good on defense after the All-Star break, and that's probably in part because like they finally had their cent- like their center rotation made sense again. Uh, and I just think that there's they're probably more they're they're closer to the play-in than I think, and maybe they are a play-in team. Uh, then I think they're getting credit for uh, in general, and like it wouldn't surprise me at all. I love I love Franz Wagner. I think Paolo Bancaro is going to be a star. I, I was so, I was like, how is Schwinn not mentioned the Magic yet? Well, like, I, I just I, I don't I didn't like their offseason. Like they didn't do anything. They added Joe Ingles. Who fucking cares, bro? Like like you needed a fucking primary ball handler, and you drafted Anthony Black sixth overall. Who like maybe he's going to end up being a really good player. I'm not, I hate. Do they need a primary on, ball handler? Though? I mean, they have yes. Cole, they have Folds, yes. they have they have two really good ball handlers in the front court. Um, I don't. I mean, I think that you probably want guys that are more connector pieces next, to, especially if you have Paolo and, and Franz, right? Yeah, but like you need more shooting. They added one guy, Joe Ingles. That's like, I, that I think I, is the the bigger indictment, I guess, on the and, black pick. And but. and also like Jeff, I think you tweeted this out uh, during one of the Team USA games, but like. When you see Bunkero now, like obviously, look, there's drawbacks in terms of rebounding and stuff that we've seen. But when you see Bunkero play at the five, and like the options that opens up, one, will Orlando do that? I highly doubt it, given the money they have invested at the at the center position. Um, you know, with like Wendell Carter Jr. and and then like, do they even have the shooting for it to be like a super? valuable piece and i i don't know and I, will they even experiment with bunk at the five who the hell knows like i just think there's stuff here that they're still figuring out i don't think this roster is fully where like progression is not always linear and they made a nice leap last season i think they might stagnate this year not because like franz or Bunkero are not improving but as a team i'm not sure they did enough to move the needle and so like to me, this division just doesn't have anything I'm very interested in. Like, if I was going to put anything here, it would be, like, I don't know. Hornets That's not plus something 3, I can interest you in. Yeah, it's it's like Hornets plus 3,000 and then just hope that, like, you can cash that bet in at a later point at shorter odds. But, I like, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit here for seven months and have Heat minus 185 and have to watch, like, Eric Spolstra fucking sell his soul to win 45 games somehow while Jimmy Butler misses, like, 37 games in the regular season and it, I'm not I'm not interested in this division at all. I just think the odds here are just not fun to bet on. Well, they, the the heat price has the potential to be a really high high ROI line just because like so minus 185 is like 62% or something. Um if they just trade for Dame, what are they? Like 80 to 90% to win the division. Right. You know, so you're you're getting a huge edge they're like a hundred percent to win the division to, if they trade for Dame. Right. <laughs> if you buy into that now and they trade for Dame, um, and obviously even without Dame, there's still plenty of outcomes where they to win the division because it's a relatively weak division. I'm pretty low on the Heat as I've just I discussed uh, with Sam and Tyrese. Like, I just I don't know what deal they made with the Devil, but I mean if they don't get Dame, I just <laughs> I need them to. I need I need people to somehow understand like what variance means and I don't know like the fact that people think that they have this like superpower and 
we had to sit through another postseason of it last year, and we had to sit through playoff Jimmy. Heat culture. He he wasn't the best player in any playoff series after round one. Like it's just, I just don't know how much more of it I can take. <laughs> um, but yeah, they I mean, lost they, some of that. That I mean, they lost Struess. They lost Vincent. Um, they still mm-hmm. killed Martin, right? Um, but um, you know, they they lost. They took some losses, right? Will, will it matter if they get them? No. Um, but Schwinn has talked about a lot of this. They were to play, you know, that's the most interesting thing. I didn't say this when you were talking about the Cavs, which is true, Jeff, but I am very curious how how well he can hold up on defense because I think, he, one, he was in a great scheme. I think he, I, I definitely underrated him as a defender going into that series, but it is a lot easier to hide guy when with, next to the kind of point of attack defenders the um, the Heat have, right? Now, this Cavs have and great Bam. And Bam. Like, yeah, I yeah think but Bam the Cavs is... also have really yeah. good I mean, look. I, I just I just say this like I I hate I hate that I've become this like Bam appreciator this off season. Uh, but like, I just think he's, people people were comparing him to Jaron Jackson Jr. Give me a break. Yeah, he's like he Jaron Jackson Jr. Let me know when he gets another rebound. I'll I'll be waiting for it. Um, but like Bam is, I, I think like I I remember last year there were all these Heat fans and like I'm like I see on my timeline and it's just like. Bam doesn't get enough credit defensively, and I'm like, "Fuck you, shut up, man!" Everybody, you know, Bam's not that good, but like, really, the guy is—he really is underrated defensively still. Um, and I think, like, look, if you want to, if you want a good prop bet, I think throw a little money on Bam, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he might get that award this year just because, like, the uh, the way all the narrative stuff will work out, I think will benefit him. But, um, but I mean, but yeah, so like, getting back to what I was saying, like, yeah. Struess was protected by Bam. I, I think he'll have that protection, right? Because I mean, maybe Mobley and Allen are as good as Bam. Right. They are the, those caliber defenders. But now with the backcourt, is, if Struess is their best backcourt defender, that's different than the situation of Miami, right? So I'm really interested to see how much the public perception of, of Struess's defense was kind of lazy and, and maybe unwarranted. And maybe he'll show that he really is the two-way player they're missing. Um, but, you know, getting back to Miami, they're definitely – they took some losses this offseason. Um, if they have to play hero – heavier minutes and don't have the flexibility to throw some better perimeter defenders around him. How long is, is Kyle Lowry going to hold up? There's um there's definitely some downside. I don't like this division to, to be honest, to bet at all. I think that yeah. Jeff's line on, or Jeff's take on, you know, the Dame price being, you know, the Dame possibility being priced in is, is, is a, or maybe not fully being priced in is some upside that the others don't have. Um, I think I'm a little bit higher on, on Orlando just because I do see Paolo probably taking uh, continuing to improve, I think there's a chance. I mean, you don't want to read too much into FIBA, but Franz continues to look even more and more comfortable with the ball in his hands. That is a very, very talented young duo. Um, and, and I think there's other guys. Like I think Cole Anthony's a little underrated at this point. Um, I like Cole, like, but I just don't think he's like... Again, I just don't think they you like have... like Cole the, in his role? Yeah, I do like Cole in his role, actually. I think he's actually like... I think you're right. I think he is underrated for what he is in his role. I think he's like a solid player, and he's actually turned out to be like a good pick for them. And he's, he's um, efficient. He's reasonably solid at the point of attack, not really switchable. So I think there's some upside there. To your point, it's still a clunky roster. But if Miami does kind of, you know, mail it in a little bit in the regular season, uh, you know, maybe it, it, the other thing, thing I'll mention is I'm curious if there's some kind of positive returns to year two of De, DeJounte Murray and, and Trey Young. Um, but, um, but the, you know, the 230 is like pretty... I mean, that's there's just not a whole lot of value in those two teams that I'd be looking at. So if you're looking pure value, I think I'd agree with Schwinn. It's probably Charlotte, 
returning to, if not winning the division, to less embarrassing. And I'm still really high on Lamelo, so I think that that um, you know, if, if he can fix some of the, the finishing issues, especially with with some more help, um, you know, that's probably your best pure value uh, beyond you know, take being able to to guess the right way on a game trade. If I was a Hawks, if I if I was a, if I was a Hawks fan, I feel like last season would have been the most discouraging season as a Trey Young fan of his entire career. His refusal to do anything off the ball is fucking maddening. Like he'll never be a good defender, but I actually saw, especially in the playoffs, him sort of trying there, which is weird. And I don't get why he won't try when the ball ball is in his in his hands. It's it's maddening. It's James Harden levels. And so when you create a paradigm when where the team goes as you go, the way he does. You have to be a lot better than he is. Like, and, he, and, and like, he's a really good offensive player. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing the Knicks like, oh, fuck Trey Young thing. But he's not good enough to not give a shit at all. And when you sign a guy like DeJounte Murray, there had to have been some hope that he would at least try to embrace, like, like they all talk about him like he's this generational shooter you can't only be a, a generational shooter when the ball is in your hands. He, and he's like, not even a fucking generational shooter. And he's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a generational shooter. Like, they're like, oh, well, his percentage is skewed down because he takes so many long threes. Stop taking fucking long threes. Like, who do you th- you're not <laughs> Steph Curry. I don't understand who you think you are. And if he was like Steph Curry, guess what? He would provide some semblance of gravity off the ball. Like that, do people not watch Steph Curry? Do they not see what he is? If you don't, if you want to know who Steph Curry is, go listen to the freaking Thinking Basketball podcast from earlier this week, where they make a case for him as the greatest player of all time. Like, go, go, learn why Steph Curry is so fucking good. Like, it's not. There's never been. There's never been anybody like Steph, and there still is nobody like Steph in the league. Like, he's just a freak. Like, you heard it here first. Schwinn hates quickly. Apparently, (laughs) dude. Oh my god! Don't get me started on the quickly step stuff because like there are similar. Not like quickly will never be a shooter like Steph, but the impact he has on his teammates is like it's not Steph levels, but from a profile standpoint, it is. Oh my god! Yeah, we'll talk about this later when we talk about the Knicks or some other podcast. But quickly has become so underrated by Knicks fans; it's so annoying. Like obviously, there's a small segment of people who are like, "Oh, quickly forgot," but. On the whole, it's like, well, he averaged whatever points per game in the playoffs. He sucks. And it's like, do people not understand that he still led the Knicks in on-court net rating in the playoffs when he supposedly sucked? Do people understand that the goal of basketball is to win and not to, like, look cool? Like, oh, you would look cool at Rucker Park? Like, every time Quickly's on the court, everyone plays well. When are people going to wake up to this fucking fact? Like, every player plays well when Quickly's on the court all the time. 20... Different players have played over 500 minutes with him in a season. All 20 won their minutes. Like, he just, it's its insane how underrated he's become by this team. It's so fucking upsetting. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, it's not the same. They're different players. But, like, this is like the same, like, Brunson became underappreciated in Dallas, right? Because it was like, like, it's the same exact concept where it's like, there's this thing that's right under, like, right under your nose and you can't find it. It's it's the same concept. Um, I don't want to turn this into like why I love Manuel Quickly podcast though. But I, I uh, do want to add on what Jeff was saying. You said that Trey Young isn't good enough to do nothing off ball. We've talked about this with Luca. There isn't a player in the league, I think, at this point, who's good enough to not contribute off ball, right? 
like the the one the one Helioist centric offense recently that's actually won the title was LeBron going God mode in LA, right? Um, and Le- no, I'm not saying LeBron is incapable. When he's had to be that heliocentric, it's usually they don't have the options. When he when he played off ball, especially with Wade, but even you know when the title won the title with Kyrie, you, you see that he's capable of a lot. But to your point, I don't think there's a player in the league who's good enough to say you know you can just you can only do things. And I think Luca's finding that out the hard way, as is Trey, and, and we'll, we'll have to see if they're able to adapt. And LeBron is the exception. The exception <laughs> proves the rule. Like, yeah, okay, it works if you're LeBron fucking James. But guess what? This is a hard truth that a lot of LeBron goat truthers don't want to understand. If you broke down the tail of the tape between LeBron and Steph, like, oh, who does this profile better? Who does this? Who does this better? LeBron would absolutely blow Steph away. But guess what? From a fucking impact standpoint, it, ha- it is way closer than it has any business being. And that's because LeBron plays a super suboptimal style of basketball while th- that other people shouldn't aspire to play. Like, I'm sorry, people yeah. shouldn't be And like, I don't think that's inherent oh. to LeBron. It's partly the roster construction issues and it's, those things. Like, yeah, in Miami, he sure. was willing to play a different way. But If LeBron was drafted but if LeBron was drafted by Pop, I am absolutely sure he could have figured out a way to play a different style. He's the he's one of the most talented players we'll ever see play this game. And, but the and point is, is that if, if you're – just let me finish right now. I'll pass yeah, it over yeah. you. I'm sorry. The point is, is that if you're like, well, it worked for LeBron, that's not good enough because he is a 6'8", 260 dude who can jump out the building, outrun wide receivers, and make threes. He shot 40% from three in 2013, He's and he has Magic Johnson's passing. He's like – Somebody made him in a, in a fucking lab, and Trey Young's like, "Well, it worked for LeBron. I can try to do that." Come on, man! Like, you have to do better. And I think, like to your to your point, like, like LeBron, like don't try to be like LeBron because you can't. It's not possible. And like, this is like the, the you remember, like after Jordan retired, there was like this search for like fifteen years, like oh, the next Jordan, like everybody's trying to, and it's like guys, Carter. yeah, what what if? What if you just don't try to be Michael Jordan? Maybe like that's and there's a lot of ugly basketball played as a result, right? Like yeah, I mean um, Kobe. Kobe is obviously like like he is as close as you can get stylistically to Jordan, and even then, like they're just not in the same tier of player. Which is like it's not even a criticism of Kobe. It's just like that tells you what exactly the type of thing you're highlighting. Where it's like yeah, Luca's amazing. He's an amazing player, and and Harden is like. You know he was he's had some amazing offensive seasons, and yet these guys are like nowhere near LeBron. They're just not doing. And you, LeBron you, you had a really interesting conversation uh, the a few weeks ago, Schwinn, with um, the you don't know ball guy Sam. Who is the modern player right now that's trying to be Jordan Kobe, Jason Tatum? It's holding yeah. him back. Like his impact is being held back by he sees himself as like oh I'm gonna operate from the mid post and I'm gonna like show my bag and it's like dude he could just be so like he's a great player I'm not hating on Jason Tatum but he his impact could be higher (laughs) his impact would he his impact could be higher if he embraced what makes him really good and wasn't just like oh I'm gonna text Kobe after I fucking show my you know my my bag tonight did you do you think it doesn't apply to Booker a little bit though. The no, I think, I think I think very close kind of. I see a lot of Stella similarities. I think I think Booker is actually underrated, and I think he's one of the most impactful players in the league. I think that he has shown a willingness to play multiple styles. Like he'll run high pick and roll when it's asked of him. He'll play off ball when it's asked of him. He'll you know defer to Kevin Durant, and it doesn't affect his efficiency. It doesn't affect his 
defense. I think Booker is awesome, and if the Knicks got him, I would be so happy. Like, I will not yeah. be mad if this if this blows up and the Knicks, Knicks get Devin Booker. I was just saying more from a stylistic standpoint, who's the player closest to Kobe and Jordan. But I think to your point, like you're saying, yeah, but I, he's, I more very, he's more able to vary his styles than yeah but he he's not he's not trying to be those guys i think is the thing like he he just is like that's his who he is as a player and and honestly like i think this is what people don't understand about jordan and kobe is like yeah sure they were great like iso scorers but what made those guys actually as great as they were and why their teams won so much is they actually bought into like system stuff right like playing off ball like it's not a fucking coincidence that every big man that ever played with kobe magically had their best season with kobe like yeah, dude, you can fall in love with, like, the amazing shot-making that Kobe Bryant was capable of, but, like, he was also a very underrated, I think, uh, team player. Like, he he really was. He was – the guy's, like, a, what, five, six-assist guy at, a shoot, at the shooting guard position. That's really good. Right, anyway, we don't need to do historic stuff. Uh, I think we all agree, though, that this division is, like – this is, like, of all the divisions in the league, this is the one where I'm just, like, I'm not even – looking at this shit. Like, I, I think it's all garbage. There's one in the um, West that I think qualifies as well. But. I, I do, do want to, I also want to say about the Hornets, we didn't mention that they added a really good wing defender. God damn it, I can't get through it. All right, go to the West. They added Frank. <laughs> they did. They did. Yeah. Is that going to be I, enough I, to bring you to any Hornets games, Jeff? Or? Um... Man, that's a good question. I'm going to, well, I mean, well, first of all, the NBA, if I want to watch the Hornets, that's the only way I can watch them because the NBA blacks out games if your fucking state touches the gods ridiculous um oh wait I'll, I'll do I'll, I'll deploy a wait and see strategy and see see how impactful frank is he's I, playing I will... thir- <laughs> she's like <Yeah>. 30 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i will say like just in terms of to make the playoffs i really like the hornets odds plus 710 they're the they have the third best odds in the in the conference or i guess worst however you want to look at it um like just in comparison right Orlando plus 180, Chicago plus 172, Raptors plus 152. The fucking Hornets were a play-in team two years in a row. Like, they were a play-in team in 2020-21, and they were a play-in team in 21-22. Like, I think, again, like, I think Miles Bridges is a reprehensible person in all likelihood, but he is an impactful basketball player for them, and I like Mark Williams. I think people are really sleeping on, like, just the value of having a defensive anchor at the center position that they had with it, with him last season. And, um, you know, who's the kid they drafted? I can't remember his name right now. Uh, number two overall pick. Stacey. Oh, um, Brandon, Brandon Miller. Miller. Yeah, Brandon Miller. Like, maybe... A.K.A. not Scoot Henderson. Yeah, not Scoot Henderson. But, like, maybe he's just going to be... Like, he's going to obviously play a lot of minutes because he's number two overall pick. And maybe he sucks because that's what rookies do. And that's kind of maybe... Like, maybe that's what they're pricing in here. But... To me, plus seven ten, like I think you're sleep. I think people are sleeping on the mellow. I think people are like really forgetting how impactful he can be over the course of a regular season. Uh, I think again the Miles Bridges element. I I like. I just think and like you know what they did that was fucking great for them, which I think is going to help them a lot. Is Kelly Oubre is no longer on the team, um, so that's like really really good. And and Kelly Oubre failed my basic test for if you're a good basketball player or not. He was not good with Steph Curry, so. Uh, that should help them, and uh, I think they'll be. I, I just look plus seven, and I also I think Steve Clifford's a good coach, man. Like I think he he's a really good coach. I I think he's good at himself. Yeah, he's yeah he's good at like getting his guys to do floor baseline stuff. 
And does that mean he's like a championship coach? No, but I think that's not what they want, right? They want a coach who's just going to give them like a foundation and help them be professional and win like 41 games. And are they going to win 41 games this year? I don't know. I do like them to make the play in though. And once you're in the play in, all it takes is one or two wins to get in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. I, I think plus seven ten for them to make the playoffs is a long shot. I'm not I I, I would put in, you know, maybe like throw in like ten, twenty bucks, can, sprinkle it in there. Can I make my official best bet from the East or should I wait until the end too? No, do it. Just, we'll, we'll, we're gonna move on from the East here in a second. Okay, so I said earlier that I like to like compare lines and look at stuff that's sort of like relatively skewed. The Knicks are plus 2,700 to get the number one seed. I think they're more likely to get the number one seed than they are to win the conference. And if you look at all the conference, if you look at odds to win the conference and odds to get the number one seed, all the prices are like relatively in line, like Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, Cleveland. The prices are basically the same. And then New York is much longer to win the to, to win the conference in the regular season than they are to win the conference. When in the you playoffs. think about anything, it should be the opposite, right? It should be the opposite. I agree. If you know this team, so plus twenty seven hundred Knicks to get the number one seed. That that is to me the best. Is, at least Knicks related. Is there a hedging strategy you can employ there? Like take them or you know take both plus twenty seven and plus eighteen hundred. And if the once the plus twenty seven hundred, like you might get a correction or something, or is it just? Well, I mean, if you wanted to be lame and hedge, you could, you could, uh, you could like bet the Knicks under and then bet them to win the conference. But uh, no, I guess, I guess there's a pretty strong middle there. Never mind, that was stupid. Um, I don't know. That's that's actually interesting. Um, I think you I guys think, have way more experience with complex I, I think, financial I think instruments real, in the betting industry. I, I think the, the real takeaway here is that Jeff thinks hedging is lame. Yeah, <laughs> anti-hedging. <laughs> anti-hedging on this podcast here. No, I, I, I like that bet. Um, and I also, like, again, we talked about, I think the next two in the division is just a really solid value. I I, I don't understand that price. Uh, to win the conference, like, I don't really see anything here that jumps out to me in terms of conference winner. Um, like, if you think Miami is going to get Dame, they have the third best odds right now, or again, worse odds, there we go. Look at it, they're plus 450 uh, to win the conference. Like, if they get Dame, I, I just think him, Jimmy, Bam with Spo, like I think they win the conference. Like I, I really, I, they just fit together really well. I think Spo figures out a way to like, you know, protect him defensively because he always does. And offensively, like their biggest issue was they really just don't have a guy that you can just give the rock to and, and create pull up jumpers for himself. And like obviously, we know Dame can do that. And I, I don't know, I. I that's the only thing that stands out to me, though, in terms of winning the conference. Like, again, if you're if you're higher on Tibbs as, in terms of like playoff coaching, and if you think Julius's issues last year in the playoffs had more to do with the injury than anything mental, uh, Knicks plus eighteen hundred to win the conference is is actually pretty decent. But like, I, I don't feel great about those those things. And you know, I don't see Cleveland going from get curb stomped in round one. To okay, we added Max Struess and George Yang. Now we're going to win the conference. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, on that kind of note, though, they have they're almost twice as their odds are almost twice as good as the Knicks. Look, we can talk about Tibbs a lot, but you know, after the after the playoffs, none of us wanted to make excuses. The guy that you just mentioned, Jeff, and you had your whole rant on, he was injured. They're you know based on advanced stats, one of the most impactful players in the league 
certainly on the Knicks, quickly quickly was hurt for, for the second half of the, the, the Heat series, right? Grimes was unhealthy and had his minutes capped. Um, how much you want to blame Tibbs for that versus, you know, versus the injury? I, I think that I don't think there's any chance Grimes played 10 minutes in some of those games unless the injury wasn't lingering. Um, and then, I mean, uh, they, sorry, they, can, they, I, can, I, the, can I just cut in here for a second, Stacey? I'm sorry. Yeah. Just one thing. I agree with you that I wouldn't blame Tibbs for the injury. I would give Tibbs, Tibbs some blame for then how much he leaned on the heart RJ combo and then how long it took him to move off it. But yeah, I, and I, I, we we've cool. talked about that. But if I'm looking forward in terms of predictability, like in terms of predictive power, I don't I don't think Grimes is going to play ten minutes a game in any series. He's healthy, or even, I, I don't expect that outcome to repeat itself. Uh, Randall was hurt. The the degree to which it affected is going to be debated. But the Knicks had a lot go wrong for them, and there were two games, including a very close one, they lost in Game Six from beating the team that won the Eastern Conference Finals. Do they get past Boston? Probably not. But plus eighteen hundred for a team that is likely to improve in an East that, besides Boston, I don't think anyone really got better. We'll see what happens with Miami. I think Philly got a lot worse. I think that yeah, they are undervalued, especially not just being sixth best odds. They're they're they're, they're their odds are almost three times what Phillies are, um, and I think Philly has the potential to be a disaster. They're twice as bad as again. I know you mentioned this, Jeff, that it's not about head to head; it's about who has the chance to get hot. Um, but I think we forget. Even with all of the stuff we've talked about with Tibbs, just how close this team was and how really, you know, I, and we also talked about, you know, there was a lot of things that went right, you know, Milwaukee getting tossed in the first round and all of that. But this team was right there and certainly a lot closer than plus 1,800 feels. Yeah, and everything you just said is why I love the plus 2,700 to get the one seed because you don't have to deal with the – Tibbs of it all in the playoffs, you're actually catering to his strengths with the bet. And all the other teams that are ahead of them to get the one seed, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, they're ahead of them to win the conference because they're like, okay, it's the playoffs. We're ready. We're going to turn it on. They're not like, I feel like all three of those teams, if they win 60 games, it's because their talent is just so overwhelming. It just everything clicks. It's not like a, a max effort, max like go balls to but, the wall but even, of the game. Even, even, I, I get that. I get that you're saying that. But even with Tibbs' playoff shortcomings, this team was was two games from the Eastern Conference Finals, and there were some very close contests in, despite their second best player going through whatever injuries he was going through, despite quickly being out, despite not being able to use Grimes. And I'm looking at this again from a predictive power standpoint. I don't expect those issues to persist. So even like even if we're talking about Tibbs being this anchor on their playoff odds, and with all of the stuff that went wrong, they were pretty damn close to to, to making that bet pay off last year. And I think they'll be a better team. And and some of the things that plagued them are not necessarily to, going to plague them again this year in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I guess we will uh, we'll find out. Uh, let's move on to the Western Conference here. Um, let's start with. The Northwest Division. Um, this is Denver, very, very heavy. Minus four thirty. Timberwolves plus seven hundred. OKC plus seven fifty. Jazz plus thirty four hundred. Portland plus ten thousand. I'm look. Maybe I'm an idiot, and I'm going to get burned again. I kind of like. I like the Timberwolves plus seven hundred here. Um, I think they had a season from hell in a lot of ways. Cat didn't. He, what did he play? Like twenty games or something. Um, I know him and Gobert did not work too well together. I feel 
I this is total gut instinct. Like on paper, I feel like that should be better than it was last year. So I'm gonna just give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt in that sense. Uh, again, just talking about regular season, not playoffs. And honestly, in the playoffs, they they gave Denver probably their best series. Um, and like I think Ant will be better this year because he's 21 and he probably will be. Jaden McDaniel is a guy I really like and I could see making another leap. Like I just think this is a solid team, and I think Conley is a good point guard for them. Uh, they don't have a D'Lo issue where they're telegraphing they don't want a guy and they're going to have to make a midseason trade. Like, and <laughs> I guess maybe to their <laughs> in their benefit, they can't make a midseason trade probably. Um, thanks to uh, the Rudy Gobert trade, the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think like if you're going to look for value, I look the Nuggets are probably they're, I'd be shocked they don't win this division because Jokic is one. He's durable. I mean, he's he always plays, and he's the best player in the world uh, right now. So, they also like, have maybe the best home yeah, court like, advantage. I, I, that, the, that's that's they might have, they might have the best home court advantage in the NBA too. Right, that matters a lot in the regular season, forty one games. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I I I just think the Nuggets are going to win the division. Yeah, but like I have no interest in betting four, minus four thirty. Um, just for the sake of conversation, I actually think that if I was going to bet. A non Nuggets team. I like OKC. the Thunder price. I like OKC a little bit better than yeah. Minnesota. I, I like um, I like the OKC price too. I think they're both. I actually like if you if you want to just like have a fun bet. I like both of these to be honest. I think they're both like priced in a way where look. I mean, I, obviously you don't hope for it, but we we've seen Jamal Murray miss a lot of time in his career, right? Like if that happens again, or Michael Porter Jr. misses time, like there are versions. Yeah, like there. Yeah, there there are versions where while I still think the Nuggets would be like the best playoff team where they don't win as many regular season games. Um, but like, yeah, I think OKC, OKC has a lot of great upside bets on the, on the roster, right? Like SGA, obviously he already made a leap last year, but you have Jalen Williams, you have Chet Holmgren who literally didn't play last season. Um, like you have guys that definitely have the capacity to get better. Josh Giddy is another one, you know, they drafted what case Wallace, uh, even like, oh, yeah, Poku, uh, the, the the greatest prospect of all time. And even, like, the other Jalen Williams, right? Big Jalen Williams. Like, he, th- these are guys that are all capable of popping. Like, Isaiah Joe was a really good player for them last year. Yeah, and Joe. yeah, and I think they pick him up midseason, right? So it's not even like they got a full year out of him. And, and, and the biggest thing with OKC, to your point, is, like, We've kind of like the last few years, right? We're like, what is their motivation? What are they going to do? What are they going to try to do? And I don't think there's any ambiguity now like you can't tank when you have sga at this point like it's not possible and it's it'd be franchise malpractice to do so so uh, i think there's no ambiguity of like well are they going to really try to win games yes they are trying to win basketball games at this point and that makes this price you know again do i think they're going to win the division no i think denver definitely is but plus 750 it's not a not not a bad not a bad long shot and like we talked about the Knicks earlier, their depth of talent is really, really impressive. Like how many, if, even if they run a 10-man rotation, how many players on the court are going to be guys that you just don't want out there? You know, like, and, and they're all young. They all, you know, they're, they're, there's a volatile range of outcomes for most of the players on the team uh, with plenty of upside available. And I like their head coach. I think they run like a lot of good stuff. I just, yeah, I mean, if I was an OKC fan, I'd be really excited for this. Season. I also think that the potential to be just 
really a pain in the ass on defense. Like Chet is probably going to struggle a little bit with some of the physicality, but he should really boost their rim protection. Um, Jalen Williams is a guy that, you know, with his wingspan, we both really like. And, and in year two, you do see players start to take defense improvements. They still have Dork. Um, SGA has never lived up to the defensive potential I thought he showed really in college. That, in my opinion, was actually the most exciting part of his game as a prospect. It's weird how that's He's changed. just like but, Frank. <laughs> um, but I think with Minnesota and with OKC, I think the upside is each of those has a player who is capable of um, of an MVP caliber season. And that's really, that's what, even as good as Denver is, that's, so, I mean, SGA just put up 31, 6, and 5 on 62% true shooting. Um, we know that Ant, if he reaches a ceiling, is, a cap- is, is capable of getting to that kind of level. Uh, and I think on top of that, when you look at the athletes OKC has, you know, similar to what you were saying with Indy, they're a different team, Schwinn, but I think they can really just be a pain in the ass to play against for maybe some different reasons. But also the fact that both are young and are going to play pretty hard every night, so... Um, those are definitely the the better upside bets. Uh, you know, looking at the rest of the division, Utah probably is going to go for the tank. They're probably going to be a little bit better, maybe not at 3,400 suggests, but at some point you have to imagine they're either going to shut it down or start benching bets. So I get that. Uh, and then, of course, Portland, I think everyone's assuming that this is a tank season. It'd be impressive if uh, Markkanen replicated his season last year, from from last season. Like, I mean, but do you think Anio is not sustainable in terms of like shot diet or shooting or whatever? It's it's unsustainable in that it's just like it came out of nowhere and it's really hard to be good in the NBA. Like I agree with you that like from a shot diet standpoint, like nothing. I mean, I watched a decent amount of Jazz and it just felt like he never missed. But I, I haven't dove into the stats to see like if he was shooting outlier levels from long two or from three. Um, yeah. It, it, it's less about the sustainability of it all and more about he was just really freaking good, like really good. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do. So, yeah, I mean, it, there are a lot of players who have had singular great seasons, singular good or really good seasons. To sustain that over multiple years is a different animal. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, Utah is – I actually don't I, – I have a – Pretty strong feeling they're going to be worse than they were last year. Um, I feel like their st- the start of their season was the outlier, and they banked a lot of wins early. I think they started what ten and four or eleven and four. But they're still um, in contention with play in, right? So given that plus thirty four hundred feels a little long, even though obviously Denver is it's a much better team. But I just I just don't see it. Like their guard play is going to be not good. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I think. Utah's obviously in a very good position long term, but for this upcoming season, like, I don't know. I know, like, early in the season, everybody was like, oh my God, Hardy, amazing stuff. And, like, look, the offense is really nice, but I also think teams, look, he, people didn't know exactly what he was going to do to start the season. And as the season went on, I think because teams became more familiar with, like, okay, well, they're not going to run a bunch of pick and roll and all this type of stuff. Um, I don't want to say that he got figured out, but, like, teams adjusted to him. And so, a long, a big part of coaching is like, now how do you adjust back? Um, and I just wonder if like their floor is lower than what people think. I also don't love the John Collins edition. Like I get that they, they got him for nothing more or less and they can maybe flip him down the line, but like, you know, marketing Collins, Olenek, 
Kessler. I don't know. That's just a weird front court stuff. And don't forget about Taylor Hendricks. They just drafted him number yeah. nine. Like, I mean, and Hendricks, I mean, I don't know if you want him playing big minutes at the five, but I do think that if it's going to work with all the, like, I assume that they want most of their five minutes to be Walker Kessler and then some combination of Collins or Olenek playing small ball five. But, like, part of Hendricks's upside is his rim protection and spacing and maybe playing some small ball five himself. And Collins just throws another wrench into the mix, you know, of someone who could, who is in his way. And <laughs> you could kind of see jazz fans having a lot of the same conversations Knicks fans were having at the end of 2021, 2022, if they're, you know, still running John Collins because they traded for him. And it's like, okay, we just drafted this kid number nine overall. Like, and this season is, you know, we're not going to win a title this season. Why isn't Taylor Hendricks playing 25, 30 minutes a game? And, I'll, you know. I'll put it this way. Utah's under, is, their line is 35 and a half for the season. We were, we're going to do a full pod on, on the regular season win totals at some point. I like that under, and it's a plus 108. So you're getting juice on it too. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I think the West is really fucking good, and I don't think Utah is going to be very fucking good. Um, and their guard play, like, yeah, man, you have Taylor Horton Tucker running point. Good fucking luck, man. Like, yeah, I mean Clarkson at point, like the guy's a gunner. He's a really good gunner, um, but he's a gunner. He's not a point guard. I know Keontae George. They drafted him. He looks like he could be a really good rookie, but like again, he's a scoring guard. Is he really going to be running point and like? Setting You're saying up? you need a true point guard like Trace Halliburton, not a not like a, a like a floor not general. a ball hog like like Jalen Brunson. You need you need a floor general. You know? real floor. Don't forget general. about Colin Sexton. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> not to forget about Colin Sexton. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I To me, Utah is just, I think they're trying to balance a lot of things, and it's going to be very hard for them. But, yeah, this division is, you know, again, this is the, the thing with division odds. Like, the NFL, you get a lot more variance with this stuff because that's how the NFL is. And I know that in the NBA, there's plenty of variance, but over an 82-game schedule, usually the best teams in a division or a conference will rise to the top. Um, but yeah, like, I think if you're going to do this one, I, I like, but I think Minnesota and OKC, you sprinkle a little bit there. That's where the value is. I, I don't see the value in, you know, minus four to 30 for, for the Nuggets. To but I, I do think both of those teams are pretty fairly priced, right? Plus 700, plus 750. Like, like those are the best values, but I don't know if there's a huge margin of safety there on either of those. I agree. I don't know, Jeff, Jeff, what do you think? No, I, I agree that those seem pretty fair. If anything, I like. I wouldn't be super excited to bet either Minnesota or OKC just because they very much seem like they'll be, you know, a six through ten seed, and like Denver's, Denver's just way better. So it's like you're betting, you know, one of those teams. It it is kind of why I liked OKC a little bit better than Minnesota, if I'm being honest, because I feel like to win this division you don't just need to make a leap. You need to make a big leap. And OKC has so many avenues to make multiple leaps that it's like, okay, if somebody's going to... Like, plus 750 isn't just saying, oh, you win the division when Jokic gets hurt because that's not, you know, 15% to happen or whatever plus 750 is. They're saying that, like, there are some outcomes where you win 55, 56 games. You know, Denver won 53, I think, last season. 
Um, so do I think Minnesota can win 55 games, even with Edwards making a huge leap? I don't know. I don't really, I don't, I still don't see the, the front court problems being resolved. I, I like McDaniels a lot. Like you said, not a huge fan of their depth. On the other hand, I just, I see OKC as a more volatile option where, you know, maybe yeah. their ceiling's a little higher. So. This is uh, Korean Prince. I mean, he, he hit twelve no. of thirteen. They don't. They don't. He's in LA uh, now. He, he's a Laker. Yeah, LeBron will fix it. That was the stupidest game ever. That was the dumbest game of the season. I think it was just like, I it, it was ridiculous to watch it. And there's like people. That, I remember there were people so mad about like our defense, and I'm like, dude, if Torian Prince is gonna hit ninety eight threes, like <laughs> it is what it is. Like I'm just not gonna be upset about this right now. It's crazy if you think about the Knicks season last season. They went forty-seven and thirty-five, and like the la- after the ten and thirteen start, it actually like felt like pretty smooth sailing. But they had the Bulls game, the Mavericks game in Dallas, God. the the Ricky Rubio game, and the Torian Prince game. Like, I'm sorry, I don't. What what the fuck did we do to deserve all that in the single season? That Dallas Torian- game was the worst because I think they had had the Bulls game right before that, and I remember. Just from a personal standpoint, the weekend before Michigan lost to TCU, uh, and then the Eagles lost to the Cowboys, and then on Tuesday they had that fucking uh, Luca thing, ten point deficit. So um, it was just a very bad series of losses in the Big D for me. <laughs> that that's yeah, uh, big pause. <laughs> uh, but like no, that that Dallas game. I remember like there that was like. It took me like three days to just like forget about that game. It was brutal. It was so it bad. Took the, it took the Knicks three days because remember yeah. they went to, they went to San Antonio right after and just got blitzed. Like they, you could tell watching that San Antonio game that they were like, "Holy shit!" Like this season might be over. Just <laughs> yeah, they're like, "How did that happen? What the hell? Yeah. Just what did we do?" Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on. This is my favorite division. I just think there's like. I'm very curious to kind of get your guys' thoughts here. I'm just going to read the odds. Uh, the Pacific Division, so you got Phoenix plus 170, Golden State plus 300, Lakers plus 340, Clippers plus 500, Kings plus 750. This is the best division of basketball. I don't think it's really that close even at this point. And I think there's an argument for like any of these things being value or not being value. Uh, so I'm very curious to get your guys' thoughts on this one. I mean, I think for me, there are four teams on this list that rely heavily on players with with older and or have injury concerns. Um, You know, Phoenix is relying on on, uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant and and, um, and Beal. They're still really good. And Booker is, you know, is is an elite player. Warriors, obviously aging. They're going to load manage. Uh, They're going to probably try to get to the playoffs and, you know, they're not going to maximize the regular season wins. Um, I think the player who's most synonymous these days with load management plays for for the Lakers, the next team on this list. Uh, and then, of course, with the Clippers, like Kawhi and PG, when they play, it's they might be the best team in this division, but it's very difficult to rely on their health. Um, who knows if a James Harden trade is going to happen, but that concern remains with him. So that leaves me with the team with the longest odds that also finished third in the league, uh, third in the Western Conference last year. Um, and, you know, if you think they regressed, there's probably some merit to that, but you know, they, they still, their, their players are now, are, are young. You know, their best two players are Fox and Sabonis. I don't know if Fox takes another step, but both of them seem to arrive as stars. They play a very exciting brand of offense, and I just have fewer health concerns with them, especially when you take into the price. So 
I like that value the best in a division where load management and injuries are probably going to play a pretty significant role. Yeah, I I'll just the pass Kings, over Schwindy. I'll, I'll just pass over Schwindy because I agree with Stacy's analysis 100. percent The only thing that I want to add is I always have to give Prez a shout out when we talk about the Kings because me and him got into it pretty hard about De'Aaron Fox. And I was just like, how can a guy who shoots like he does be good? And like, like be really good. Like this was, you know, this was after he had signed the $200 million contract but before last season. And he was just like, oh, I know Fox's shooting is going to come around. And I was just like, all right, buddy. And then Fox shot like a god last season. So it's like, I guess if there's any potential regression candidate, it's like, hey, maybe him shooting 57% from 10 to 15 feet isn't a real thing. But shout out to Prez for, for seeing it, and I agree with Stacey's analysis 100%. I wouldn't want to touch this division. I think anything could happen. But if I was going to bet this division, it would just be the Kings because longest odds and probably the safest bet to stay healthy. Um, I like the Kings' odds. I all you know, put the cards on the table. I had a lot invested in the Kings uh, last season. They were, I had them in all, like, they're over. I bet them, I think I bet them, no joke, like 12 times to win the division in season last year because their odds were just ridiculous throughout the season. Um, so I, I'm pretty bullish on them. Like, I, I don't think last year was a fluke. Like, I think they're legit good. Uh, I think they have some candidates for internal improvement too. Like, I think Keegan Murray, can be a star. I think he's really, really good. Um, I don't see, I'm not too, like, I agree with you, Jeff. Like, there is some, you know, is De'Aaron Fox going to shoot, like, you know, fucking 98% from mid-range again? I don't know. I Probably not. But, like, I think overall his actual impact will be the same. I think he's going to be a high-impact player. I think DeMontis Sabonis, wherever you are concerned about in the playoffs, kind of like Julius Randle, I think he's going to be a very productive and good regular season player. Um, and like the Knicks, like they just aren't going to be giving minutes to a lot of guys that are not at least solid NBA players. Um, like the one guy in the rotation that I'm not totally in love with would be like Davion Mitchell, but even him, like, it's like they've run him out there a shit ton and like put the ball in his hands, tell him to run offense, right? Like they, I think they've kind of settled on him being, Hey, you come in, defend the best ball handling of the team for however long you're in. And we'll play you with other dudes that can handle the rock and, and facilitate and kind of like take some of that load off of your shoulders. Uh, I think Monk is going to be one of the best reserves in the league again this year. And actually, uh, he's probably somebody who's not getting enough buzz for sixth man of the year because like the way he scores off the bench is really fucking valuable. And he's, uh, we saw in the playoffs, like the guy can get buckets in any situation. He's really, really good. Uh, and I'm happy for him, by the way. Like, it's nice to see him kind of find a good situation, land back on his feet somewhere. Um, and I think Mike Brown's just a really good coach. And kind of like the Pacers, they play so fast. There's, there are just going to be games where, like, you're playing them and, you you know, it's like the back end of a West Coast trip and you're just like, you know what? We're good. Let, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> let's get back home. And uh, you guys can rack up 140 points on us. That's great. Good for you. Um, I, I do like their value. I will say this. I think I think the Suns being this, I they, their injury risk is scary to me. Like I actually think there's a. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think there's a better chance that they miss the playoffs than win the than they win the conference. 
Like, I think there's a better chance they miss the playoffs and win the conference. Um, I don't really get, like, I understand, like, the, this hype of, like, oh, they did so well with their minimum signings. Cool, man. Congratulations. Like, you did really well to not sign over-the-hill vets, uh, and instead you probably signed guys that suck but are young. Like, congratulations. You want a fucking cookie for that? Um, I- I'm The injury risk with this team is scary. Even a guy like Booker has missed time sporadically throughout his career. Not saying he's an injury risk in the, in the same way Durant and Beal are, obviously, but there is some like capacity for him to miss 15, 20, 25 games. We've seen that in his career. Um, uh, so, like, I, I just don't love their odds at the top of this division, to be honest. Like, I think they're priced wrong. Uh, I'd like Golden State. I think Golden State should be the favorite. And I'll tell you why. I think they had a miserable season last year in terms of, like, Look, Draymond punches Jordan Poole in the face right at the start of the season. That gets leaked out, the video, and it's like the vibes were all fucked up throughout the season. You could see it when you watch them play. They did not play with like the the, the very characteristic uh, joy that Steve Kerr likes to talk about so much, and which I think do think is like a hallmark of their play. Uh, I thought they were balancing a lot of stuff. Jordan Poole was one of the worst players in the NBA last year in terms of his actual impact on the floor. Uh, they obviously don't have that. You can tell me that Chris Paul, I, I trust me, if you want to slander Chris Paul, I'm here for it. I'm not a Chris Paul guy. Uh, but I think what he gives them as a backup point guard, whether he wants to accept that or not, by the way, he apparently got mad when he was asked about that. Like, what do you mean? Am I the backup? Yeah, bro, you're going to, you're going to back up Seth Curry. That's what's going to happen. Uh, but I think as a backup point guard, they've not had, but do you like, think, do you think he can blend in their style of play though? You know, I think Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr will adjust to Chris Paul. Like he will let, he will do more to adjust to what Chris Paul can do rather than Chris Paul being like the guy's what he's 38, 39. Like he's not going to all of a sudden start running around the floor and setting screens for everybody and all this type of shit. It's not going to happen. But, um, I also like think, you, I just, I also just want to say, I actually think he kind of gets slept on. Um, he, he's not a great mover off the ball on the perimeter, but he's, he, in my in my opinion, he's an underrated screen setter inside the paint, um, and that is one like he, it, especially as a Clipper, uh, an action they ran a lot was to have Chris Paul dribble the ball across the court and toss the ball to Blake Griffin at the elbow, and then he would go set a pin down. And I obviously it's a lot more nuanced in Golden State, but for just from a screen setting standpoint, I actually I could see him fitting in better than people expect. He's also just a smart player. And, like, the yeah. biggest thing that people don't understand about Golden State is, like, and I think this is, they've had issues with this in terms of, like, identifying personnel at times, too. You see this in the draft, right, with Wiseman. Like, if you don't, if you're not, like, a high field player, you're not going to work there. Like, it's just not going to work because so much of what they do depends on players. I mean, their entire offense is predicated on, like, read and reacting to stuff. Um, and it's why Ubre was terrible there because Ubre is like maybe the dumbest player in the NBA. Um, and so like, I think Chris Paul makes sense to them. And then the biggest thing and like, look at their over years now, like six, seven, eight years, they're on offs. Like when Steph Curry is off the floor, they have not, their, their drop off, even in the Durant years was significant, like massive, massive. And obviously Chris Paul is not what he wants. He's not what he was once. Um, but 
he's like one. They're not going to ha- have to depend on him the way most all, every team he's been on has, and they're going to be able to manage his minutes, and he's going to be playing way less per game. And like, I just don't think they're going to have the drop off that we've seen historically when Steph is off the floor now. And like to me, that makes them a very undervalued and underrated like regular season wins team because like Steph Curry, whatever you like. I know he's been he's had some injury issues the last couple of years. I feel like some of that has just been Lukeish type of stuff. I I don't see him being a load management guy. Like Steph does not load manage really. Like I think Clay figured some shit out the second half of last year. I know the playoffs weren't good for him. He looked he was really good after the All Star break. Like really really good for them. Uh, and I think Draymond like he's the most confounding player for me in the league because I'm just like. I don't understand how you're as good as you are without even wanting to look at the basket. But basket, like, I don't get it. Uh, but he is a very, very high impact player. He's still like an insanely valuable defensive player. It's wild how impactful he is on defensive end. Um, and I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think they're not going to have to deal with any Wiseman shit, right? Like, they don't have to. I, I think this is another team where it's like to me, it feels like they took out stuff last year that was creating issues for them in terms of like. How do we manage this situation? How do we manage that situation? And they simplified it. Um, and I, I just think this team is, I think they're undervalued, at least as far as like being a really good regular season team. Um, playoffs. Coach isn't smart enough to start Halliburton over Brunson. So, yeah, he, Kerr doesn't really know what he's doing. That's the big problem. Um, no, but like I, I, playoffs, I'm still not. Super, like, I don't think they did enough uh, for me to all of a sudden be like the championship window is back open. But regular season, I like this team a lot. And I think, I personally, I think the way they're priced, they should have been the favorite to me. So, like, the two bets in this division I kind of like are Warriors and Kings. Also, the Kings should absolutely have better odds in this division than the fucking Clippers. Like, the Clippers are never healthy. They are never healthy. Like, everybody on that team is a load management candidate. They have way too many guys still, like which. So figuring out the rotation is like playing Russian roulette. It, it's well, they might trade for Harden. Yeah, well, oh, goody! Like, <laughs> so about that. Uh, like, I, I just to me, they should absolutely be the like they should have the longest odds in the division, which is you know to the point. Like, I think this is why we all like the Kings as far as like the best value in the division. Um, but they, there's no way. The is there an argument for the Lakers odds. to have the worst odds? Because that's that is the load management team. Now you can argue Reeves maybe will have a larger role, and that could stem some of that. But that's those odds seem pretty high. Like three three forty for the the Lakers. Like I I don't like that value at all, and I I would fade them a little bit. I mean, because LeBron even when he plays is gonna he's gonna be LeBron. Um, he Anthony Davis is a walking injury risk, right? <laughs> There's something to be said. Uh, this is like, like I put, I ended up putting LeBron like the fifth in my, when I, when we did like the rankings of like best players in the NBA, mostly because like I genuinely have no idea how to like, LeBron doesn't make any sense anymore. So good luck trying to figure out where he ranks currently among the NBA players. Uh, but like there's something to be said of like their, their biggest strength when they've been good, when they've been good over the last two, three years or whatever, it's usually went on the defensive end of the floor. It's not on the offensive end. And like, this is not a shit on LeBron thing. It's like, oh, LeBron can't carry an offense like he did back when he was 
fucking 27 no shit like <laughs> like that's normal um but like to, like that's that's the risk with them because i their strength is defense anthony davis we all know well documented injury concerns injury issues and so like all it takes like you know you said it with the honest this applies tenfold to, to ad right like all it takes is one bad fall and the dude's out for the year and like that's a really big concern for them because I mean, like you, you're not going to replace AD or LeBron, right? Like you're just not replacing those guys. But if you're going to say who is more irreplaceable, I actually think it's like AD right now because, again, their biggest strength as a team is defense. And, and Austin Reeves is probably better than LeBron at this point. So yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean the way he just the way he just draws fouls, just nobody does it like Austin. I do like you're Austin thinking- Reeves. They're good. No, you go. I interrupted you already once on this topic. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I think this division, the way it's priced, is in order of who I would least like to... Like, in the in a playoff series, I think this is... He's like, I would least want to face the Suns, especially in full strength. Uh, I do think they have the most talent. Um, Golden State would be very close second. I agree with Schwinn there. Um, the Lakers, I'd probably still just win LeBron and AD. I just trust them more than I trust right now the Clippers uh, and being able to like really get more of the some of their parts than, you know, even with Paul George and Kawhi healthy. And then, yeah, like in a playoff series, there's a reason why the Kings were the third seed and still everyone picked the Warriors. Um, I just think where I will push back a little bit, I am not as high on the Warriors as a regular season team. Uh, Steph has been playing between 50 and 60 games for three seasons. Now, if he is not a load management guy, I would question why not, uh, because I absolutely would want to save him for the playoffs, especially if they did get a good, backup point guard um and so and i I imagine kerr will do that a little bit and the same with draymond um i think this is a team that that is going to prioritize championships they're not going to prioritize getting 60 wins in the regular season so that's um i i i I think that's but I, i think that the way that these odds are priced is in who is the most intimidating you know in a playoff series full strength um, and in that case, I think it's sorted properly. But we're not betting that. We're betting that division. And so I think the only bet I really like here is the Kings. I don't. I still don't. I don't like the Warriors as much as a regular season team. I, I just want to say, I I agree with what you guys are saying about the Lakers and not really loving the regular season price. Uh, so what I'm about to say might be kind of weird, but I actually really like their off season. Um, I don't love any of the individuals that they signed. Like I wouldn't bet on any single one of them being like definitely a great role player but the fact that they retained Davis, Achimura, Reeves and Dilo with LeBron and then Vincent Reddish, Prince, Hoodchefino, Jackson Hayes. That's five guys who there it's that's five lottery tickets that at least have some upside to be rotation players. I think that's, Vincent Vincent's like I despise him uh but he's like <laughs> He's gonna be a good player for them. Like he, he's he's solid. He's I'm not I, I don't whatever he did in the playoffs, which is oh god, just the most infuriating thing possible. But like he'll be he'll be solid for them. He's he's a guy who easily makes sense next to LeBron, right? Like you just it makes sense. Totally get that. Um yeah, and I agree. They have five ladder tickets. I do think the Kings. I would add a sixth. Actually, they got a uh, Maxwell Lewis at forty, who I actually liked a lot higher than that. Um, yeah, was a really yeah, efficient yeah. player in college at Pepperdine. So uh, I liked him actually better than him. You know, I think that was a good draft. I was still at, yeah. Well, I mean, and and, uh, and, 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 Col- and Colin Castleton's kind of like a gym rat. He's like you know high IQ. You know, he could he could. And and the thing is, the Lakers have like his. They've drafted well. 
over the past however long, like six, seven, eight years. Um, like they've like Austin Reeves undrafted, right? Like they've gotten value later in drafts where you probably should like I mean, they got Kuzma and Hart at the end of the first round. Those guys are like legit NBA players, you know, on multiple they're on what their third contracts in the league now. Um obviously, you know, we know the the higher end stuff, Ingram, Randall D-Lo, whatever, but they've... And they got Cam. I mean, if they just let Cam cook and get LeBron out of the way, <laughs> that that could be something, like, if LeBron just doesn't pass the ball to Cam and let him cook, that could really submarine this team. That's the only Yeah, you got to let Cam, they just, they need to let him be a hooper. Um, but no, I mean, look, I'm not, I think Cam is, I'd be, to me, he's like a guy I could see after, like, five or ten games, LeBron just giving them the look and then, like, look, no, this guy, <laughs> we're not like we're good. Like we we don't need him on the floor anymore. Um, but I, I I agree. Like I just think they're a good team. Um, but the AD part makes me very concerned. And the, last year they were not good until like after the All Star break. And that's like when they were healthy and they gave Reeves more usage and started starting him. And and like I get that that is now solved. But like. They're a little bit. I feel like and they, then the part of the benefit of the Reeves minutes was you also Westbrook, you know, addition by subtraction, right? Yeah, rest, Westbrook goes on, but like I, I think there's something to like. I know it's a little bit. I don't even. I don't, I don't think it's hypocritical. Like they did kind of like find themselves late in the season, found the right rotation that that kind of like made sense and everything. I feel like they they got a little. I don't want to say lucky, but like the way things broke for them in the playoffs, I think makes the perception of them a little bit skewed. Like, I'm not sure that I don't think they were the second best team in the conference. It's probably the best way to put it. Like, I am not sure of that. And I think there's a little bit more downside risk, especially in the regular season, because they will load manage AD and LeBron probably will miss some time. And even with the guys they've added without those dudes, I don't, I, I still don't, I this roster is just still like very odd to me. Um, though not having Thomas Bryant will for a full season will be nice for them. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess the only thing I'd say about that is I, I do think that they pretty handily beat both Memphis and the Warriors. Like, I don't think they, I know Ja got hurt, but I, I do think that they, they didn't win because they got lucky. Like they played really well in, in those two series. Um, and, no, they, and they were, they were and, really, they were legit good. No, for sure. And I just want to say also, this is, sounds really stupid to say and probably makes me sound like a homer. I'm not a homer in any way in this regard, but that Denver series like was the closest sweep, like in NBA history. Like they could have won game one, very easily could have won game four. They actually played pretty well in all four games. It just, they lost at the mark. Like Jokic was hitting like end of quarter buzzer beaters, oh. you know. Like, they, Game four, the shots Jokic was hitting were just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I I agree with you. I don't think they're the second best team in the conference, but I, I do think I, I don't want to sell their playoff run short and just be like, oh, they were they they finally showed who they were in that conference final sweep. I would actually paint the picture as they pretty handily beat two good teams and then gave Denver a closer fight than the scoreboard would reflect. Yeah, like, I, I think, just to be very clear, like, I think Memphis was broken by the time they played in the playoffs. Like, I, I just think that was, like, a, 
it was a good matchup because I had no doubt in my mind they were going to beat Memphis. Um, I'm worried about Dylan Brooks locking up LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I was very, very concerned about Dylan Brooks uh, putting the clamps on LeBron. And then that's and then crazy. I, like if you if you, I feel like that's not getting talked about. That like Dylan Brooks was such an asshole in that series that Memphis was just like. We, they Under came no out and were like, we are never bringing this guy back. <laughs> like, that's so insane. Well, it's also what? like, also a side note, like I kind of am just over how often players, I believe what Brooks said is like, I don't fear LeBron or something along those lines. And then there's a lot of people who will say people fear Jordan. No one, no one just like, I don't think anyone's going on to, I mean, unless like, unless Sha- Shaq is just going to be bodying the shit out of you and you might get hurt. Is anyone in the NBA really af- like you're paid to go out and do your best? Is anyone actually afraid? Like that's a, f- a phrase that I've just seen thrown around so much, right? Like there was a fear, and like I get it. Sometimes there's like an aura, and players can be a little bit, you know, things like that with with Jordan, whatever. But like that's just a word I've been I've heard thrown around so much. It's like yeah, you you don't lose because of fear. You lose because the other player is just going to do their job better than you, right? People use people use the extrapolated exposure as proof of concept. But I promise you, if Twitter and media was like it is now in the 90s, people would have been saying stupid shit about Jordan, too. Fucking Muggsy Bogues tried him. Like, and Jordan was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, literally Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> right, yeah. So I promise you, if Twitter and media... I mean a monster version of you, right? So, Like, can you imagine the shit like, I don't know, Sharif Abdurrahim would... I don't know, like, just think of... Like, people would have said... That's that, a very odd also, choice, because like, he runs, like, player development for the NBA. Also, <laughs> also, let's just be real, like, people are definitely scared of LeBron. Get the fuck out of here. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, like, yeah, you're probably scared of, like, the greatest player of his generation. I'm sorry, it's not, like... This is you not, have, like, a tough concept. You have guys like DeMar DeRozan telling stories of, like, yeah, it was game three, and we were down 2-0, and a guy came in and didn't know the play, and LeBron was like, yo, you're supposed to be over there, and I was like, oh, the series is over. Like, that's if that's not fear, I don't know what I don't know what fear is, you know? Right. But yeah, I, <laughs> Enos Cantor wasn't afraid of LeBron, I'll say that. And if Enos Cantor uh, hadn't been shut down for his beliefs, then he would have been LeBron, so. <laughs> and I, neither, I, was, neither was Super Mario. True. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll go on the record here. I like both the Warriors and the King's Price. I actually think the King's Price is legit good. Um, I'll be taking that. So, um, all right, let's move on to the final division here in the West, which is, I think is another good one, or interesting one anyway. Good is maybe the wrong word to use for this division. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm actually just looking at this for the first time, and I'm a little bit surprised by this. Okay, uh, Dallas plus 160, Memphis plus 160, New Orleans plus 250, Rockets plus 2,500, Spurs plus 3,500. I don't understand the Mavericks' price here. I don't know if that's just me. Like, I think that's way out of whack. And I actually now, I'm looking at this, like, I think Memphis is actually pretty solid value here. Um, well, Jaws suspended for, what, 25 games? Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I think they're, like, <laughs> I think smart. No, I mean, I, 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 it's a joke. But they had that like, stretch a couple of years ago where they went, what, like, 19-1 and one or something? Yeah, like and, and, and to be fair, last year it did not work out like that. Like, they were, like, a 500 team without Jaws on the floor, I think, last year. Um, but I think Smart is a good pickup for them. I'm actually I'm a little bit worried about like what their end game lineup is going to be because it feels like they're not going to have any rebounding on the floor. It's going to be like Ja, Smart, Bane, JJJ, and somebody. I don't pick a guy. Um, I'm a little bit worried about that, but like they just have a lot of good players. I I think a guy like Santi Aldama 
is somebody who could like be good this year. You know what I mean? And, well in FIBA. Yeah, and I, I just think that, like honestly, this I hate like I think Ja probably like understands now, like, yeah, at the very bare minimum, I have a feeling he will not be waving brandishing uh firearms anywhere anytime soon. And uh That's what I they think, said the first time. I know, I know. That's I'm I'm really testing fate here. But like I, I just think and I think Bane's really good. I I know JJJ is like it's fun to make fun of him because he can't rebound for shit. But he'll probably be at the four most of the time. He plays past- next to one yeah. of the best rebounders in the league. Well, right? That's but- the thing. Adams missed so much time last year, and he's arguably like their most important player in a lot of ways, specifically because of what they want to do, which is not too dissimilar to the Knicks, by the way. Like they love to win the turn, like the the rebound battle. That's kind of like one of their biggest values. Um, that's like one of the biggest kind of strengths as a team. So if Adams is healthy, I kind of like their value here. And New Orleans is like, uh, who the hell knows, right? Because it's like... If Zion is healthy, this is underpriced. Even if he isn't, I guess they, they're a good team. But yeah, like that is the big swing factor for them. Yeah, and it's not just Zion, right? Ingram misses time a lot too, and it's just very weird and like... There's CJ McCollum, who I personally think, like, I know his numbers look fine last year. I thought he looked significantly worse than what he'd been previously. Um, but yeah, no, I love, I just love the Rockets here. <laughs> well, could the Rockets get hardened? Um, this is a, this is an interesting division. Um, I'm probably a little higher on Dallas. I, I liked some of their offseason moves. Um, they, have an MVP player. We'll see how much they can lean into that. But um, I, I probably, I would probably take the safe bet and stick with Dallas here. Um, you know, they, you know, in, in terms of their roster, they, they have, you know, they obviously have Luca. You're going to get a full season of Kyrie. I know for Schwinn, Kyrie is a safe bet, positive. huh? Um, well, I mean, I think that I think if you can get 60 games out of him and you have him next to Luca, it's just tough to pick against that talent combo. When do you think um, they'll you know, be doing I, I like think... movie night with Kyrie? Like, do you think that's like a thing <laughs> conspiracy theory movies and all that? Um, you know, I think they've gotten some interesting young players. Jaden Hardy is a guy I've been interested. You know, I think is an interesting player. Uh, you know, they they rounded out. They have a lot of shooting on their team. Um, they have some young guys. So I mentioned Hardy. Josh Greenan is a guy who's continues to get better. They surround them with some shooting. Um, you know, they still you know the interior rim protection. I don't love. Um, I think they, you know, they, they have some issues certainly on the interior, but that's just, they have a lot of talent. They have some young guys with some upside and, um, can you get Luca to adapt a little bit? He's still only 24. Um, I would hope that that's going to be a little bit on the card for them. Um, you know, but I think that their upside, you know, if Luca and Kyrie do click and I don't think that, I think that at this point, I do think you're underrating how likely that is. Um, I think that that makes them pretty far and away of barring like a full season of health from New Orleans, the most talented team in the division, even though I will agree with you that Memphis is probably a little bit better constructed game to game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would take, I, I, I think Dallas is the favorite in terms of odds. I would probably say they're fairly priced, but I'd shift some of those. Uh, I'd shift the line maybe for, for Memphis down a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, to me, Dallas is the favorite in this division, even though it's not, um, it's a little hairy and, of the other two teams, I think San Antonio 
It's, we don't know exactly what to expect from Wemby. I do think they're going to be a good defensive team. Sohan looked really good. Keldon Johnson's a good defender. I think Devin Vassell has some upside there. And if they're trying to win games, um, I could see him improving. So, you know, in that division, if they're, you know, I, I, I think, like, I think those, I would take the Spurs over the Rockets right now, I think. Um, you know, the Rockets have some really interesting players, um, you know, a little bit more of a veteran presence. Um, you know, I, I think they're, I think San Antonio is going to be a really good defensive team. Offense is still going to be a work in progress, but you know, that kind of an impact defender, we saw the, the impact that Mobley had coming into Cleveland, uh, on their defense, right? He, they, they made the play and they had more talent than the San Antonio team does, but I think Wemby could have that kind of impact on defense. And if you combine them with a pretty solid defensive core, I think they're a little underpriced here, even though I don't think they're going to win the division. And I do think Dallas is the favorite. Wemby is going to be one of those players who exposes like basketball fans, in my opinion. Like, I think he's going to statistically have a season where it's like, oh, everybody said this guy was the next LeBron, and like his impact numbers will probably just be good right away. Like, and it'll just be like people will have some crazy takes about Wembenyama. That's my that's my take on Wembenyama. Um, question for you because you brought up the rim protection and you're kind of of the three of us at least the draft guy how uh, pun intended likely is Derek likely to come in and like shore up like could he just start right away or do you think that do you think that it's going to be Powell and then like they'll ease him in like what do you think his impact is going to be really on I think Based on the fact that it's kid, it's lively, by the way. Um, oh, but, Jesus. Um, yeah, sorry. No <laughs> uh, I think you're thinking of the tight end, right? From, what is it, the, the Ravens, or is the receiver from the Ravens? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think that, so Prez is a big, lively guy. Um, I think one of the things that was interesting about lively was I think some people believe that in time he can shoot a little bit. But I think what he gives you is a big body. He probably has the highest potential. My guess is they're going to stick with Powell. They're going to stick with that continuity um, and work um, work lively in. And if they can coach him up to the point where I, I don't expect him to be their starting center, but if he can give them fifteen to twenty minutes of rim protection, rebounding, six fouls a night, you know that maybe can be the difference in a series against a team like LA, right? Uh, that maybe just being able to hold up a little bit in the pick and roll in a in a series where maybe you're getting abused by by Phoenix or something. You know that that can change things, but yes, they they have it, and, and they still have Kleber. I, I mean, I think Kleber. I still expect to be their their go to five. We forget this was a team that two years ago took a really good Suns team to the absolute woodshed in Game Seven. Like I know, like last year was disappointing. We have talked a lot about how Luca is too heliocentric, too ball dominant. Um, but again, this is like this was the first year they missed the playoffs like that. And they did add Kyrie Irving. Like, I'm just going to ignore that. Like, maybe he goes on another thing next year and doesn't play. But, you know, I, I don't, I expect him to, and Luca to figure it out, provided they're both playing. But to answer your question, I don't think Derek Lively is a game changing interior presence. I still think their interior defense is not going to be great. I do expect him to work his minutes up. And I do think long term, uh, he has a lot of potential in like this rim running big category. In terms of the shot, I know that's, that's a reason why some people were more into it. With bigs, I, I think there's a high threshold there to really be impactful. But is he going to be able to get some dunks, uh, pick, run pick and roll, and, and maybe have some impact on the offensive glass and be a big body? Sure. Like I, I think like he'll be a better defender for sure than like Jalen Duren was as a rookie, right? Um, so I don't think, expect him to be the solution to their problems. I don't expect him to be like freshman Mitch even. 
Um, but I expect him to be like probably break even as a defender and give them a look that that other players don't necessarily they don't really get from anyone else on the roster at this point. But I, I think Cleaver is going to be their most um, reliable option still. I don't think that's going to change. Also, yeah, I, I just uh, you, no, go ahead, go no, ahead. No, no, I was going to change the subject, so you comment on what he was saying. I, yeah, I'm just going to say, I, I just don't. I think the injury risk on this team is higher than people are giving it credence. Uh, Luca has missed like 15, 16 games every year, basically. Uh, he's he's had ankle issues, which I don't think people outside of Mavs fans talk about a lot. Uh, but that's something that Do you think that's due to just being out of shape? or I think he just has ankle issues. I mean, the way he plays, he's always like collapsing and shit like that. Um, I think that's something Kyrie obviously has injury issues and other issues. Uh, we'll see what the hell goes on with him. I don't really feel great about all of a sudden he's going to be this model professional after you handed him $120 million. Does he have to be, though? I mean, yes. that's a pretty big talent duo. Like, he, if he's if he's even just on the court for 60 games next to Luka, like, that, I don't think there's another team. What are they going 60 games? 35 and 25? I think the upside is higher than that person. I think they can put 40 units out of those. I just think this team is small. I think they are not going to rebound the ball well. I think their defense is still going to be fucking awful. The West um, is big, man. Yeah, the West is big. But I think they're, I, I don't really understand why everybody's like their defense is going to be better. Why? Why is it going to be better? What's like Derek? Clark, I didn't, that's why I was, I was saying yeah. I don't buy that for sure. I yeah. just think that from a talent perspective, I there's just a lot of offensive talent. And I, I do expect guys like Green. Um, Jaden Hardy to be bigger pieces. So I like I like Josh Green. I also don't like Josh Green did not play very well after that trade because he became more of like a hang out and watch the ball type dude. He didn't even get the minute. Like generally when Luca's playing, uh you're gonna be watching anyway, but like it became even more so the case when they added Kyrie. He did not play well after that trade. Uh I I actually think they had a good offseason. I think they like the way they negotiated the draft and all that stuff was good. And even with that, I'm like, okay, Derek Lively might be really good in time. And I know Prez is bullish on him having an impact right away. I will – I one, I don't know anything about him. So I'm just going to say this. Like, rookie bigs generally are not high-impact players. They're not. That's just how it works. And I think if you're betting on him – not saying you, but in general, if people are betting on him – to help fix their defense from day one and be a high impact rookie, that's a pretty big risk to take and not one I'm comfortable doing. Uh, I owe Max Prosper. I know nothing about him again. I have a hard time believing this guy is going to be a high impact player as a rookie because rookies generally are not. Um, and Grant Williams, actually, objectively, very good pickup for them. I think he's going to help them a lot. I think he's a good player. At the end of the day, though, I still think their depth sucks. Uh, I don't really know that they're materially better, and I think the West is super fucking good. And for that reason, I'm just like, over the course of a regular season, I will take the Memphis guys, like that entire squad, especially without Dylan Brooks doing Dylan Brooks things, over... So you think that's addition by subtraction, then? Uh, weirdly, I, it's really hard to judge it, because as annoying as Dylan Brooks is, he's also like, he was in like all of their best lineups. Uh, he He's was, a like, good defender, just, like yeah. And but even as bad as his offense is, like it, they tend to play a lot better with him on the floor. Um, so I don't know, but like I just think you bet on Bane. You bet on like they have like these. They have three guys that are pretty young in their career, 
that I think realistically should be improving his players in JJJ, Bane, and Ja. Um, and the other thing, again, we, we talk about Adams, but like, I don't know when Brandon Clark is going to come back, but he is going to come back at some point in the season, probably. And I think that will be a nice boost for them. Uh, and I, you know, I have a feeling Zaire Williams sucks, and I have a feeling they know he sucks. And I have a feeling because of that, he will not be playing a lot anymore, and that will help them. I also wonder if David Roddy is somebody who could see their minutes cut, uh, which would also help them because he was awful last year. So I don't know. I, I see a lot of like fat that Memphis could trim, uh, and I think they will. Dallas has to, and I, the other part is like Jason Kidd. He had a really good first year. He sucked last year, and it is starting to feel like this is what happened with him in, in Milwaukee, right? Really good first year, sucked his second year, and continued to suck his third year. Did he make it four years or was it three years? I don't remember when he got fired, whatever it was, but he basically never recovered. And like, they're still going to be doing this switch everything scheme, which like, that can work when Luca is your worst defender and your only unwilling defender. Like, Brunson's not a good defender. Brunson, I think, especially in a switch scheme, is a pretty willing defender. Like, he's not going to be, like, he's obviously a liability in a lot of ways, but he's not just going to, he'll he'll fight. I don't, like, I know Kyrie, like, when he cares, can be good on defense. Which I think is more I don't, often than people. Like, that's not the issue for me with Kyrie. Defense really. I don't know. I, his At some point, like, he's been a bad defender his entire career, even though when you watch him, you're like, eh, it doesn't look like he's too bad. Something is going on there that is making him a bad defender, a bad impact defender. Um, and then, like, you know, they're just undersized. You're going to have THJ in the lineup or in the rotation somewhere. I don't know. I, to me, this team is just, like, I don't trust them. I don't think they've proven anything to be trusted as an organization, and certainly not with the addition of Kyrie fucking Irving. And uh, for those reasons, I am out, as they say on Shark Tank. Huh. Does Dallas have anything to do with Shark Tank? Yeah, Mark Cuban. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Been on uh, this for two hours, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I would, again, I like, I think Memphis plus 160 is, that that would be my play here. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't really like this division at all, but I, I wouldn't touch this one personally. Really? I, I think Memphis plus 160 is, like, kind of insane given their regular season success over the last few years. Like, I, they have a baseline. What, were, what did they, did they end up with 50 wins last year? Even with Jai, wins. I mean, they had to, right? They were the two seeds, so yeah. I can't imagine they uh, I can't imagine they were the two seed with less than fifty wins, but fifty-one and thirty-one. Yeah, and they had a pretty, let's just say, mixed season for a variety of reasons. Like, I think the floor is really high. I mean, they basically they finished fifty-one thirty-one. That was the same record as Dallas the previous year, I believe, when they made the conference finals, and that was like Dallas the high. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think Memphis has a high established baseline, and I just trust that more than anything Dallas has done or has shown me previously. But I mean, but, but, so Dallas won 52 the year before. They also won, they won 42 in the, the bubble year, uh, and they won 43 when Luca was a rookie. So they've, they've been 10, 11 games above 100, but there were 10, 11 games above 500 both of those years, uh, in abbreviated seasons. Um, and then, so they had, they had, Three seasons, I would say, of, of being around the fifty-win mark, um, you know, or being around you know six hundred winning percentage mark, 
Um, so it, I think we're overreacting a little bit to last year. I definitely agree with you on Kidd. Uh, I definitely worry if that's the coach to really get Luka to a ceiling. But yeah, I do think it matters that they have far and away the best player in the division. Um, and I think that um, they also tanked at the end of last year too. So I think there's some upward mobility. If Kidd makes the right adjustments, um, I think that there's a lot of upside there. And if he doesn't, I don't think he's long for that team. He has an owner, I think, that um, will be willing to pull the plug sooner rather than later. So we'll see. I, I just think we talked about them a little bit. I, I, I wouldn't bet it. I just don't really know what to make of the Pelicans price because I feel like people forget how good they were when Zion played. Like There's just a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah. That, that is the team. Like, yeah. Uh yeah. Your your point is exactly right. Like you're you, it's just tough to make that bet when Zion's never proven himself to be healthy, but man, they were they were really, really good. And like Ingram could take another step forward. You know, McCollum's not over the hill yet. They they have a sneaky, they have a lot of depth. Trey Murphy. They have Herb forward. Jones. They have, yeah. Trey Murphy's like the Herb Jones who was promised. You know, like he's, <laughs> he's, he's actually he's actually good. Um, yeah, but you're, you're right. They, they have like candidates for internal improvement, which is like, you know, we talked about this with OKC, right? Um, Zion just being on the floor obviously would be a massive boost. Ingram, can he stay healthy? I mean, he hasn't in his career, but sometimes you get a year where a guy stays healthy. Uh, and then, like, you know, I, I kind of like, I think Valanciunas is an underrated player. I don't, I'm not saying he's the perfect fit for them, but like, he's an efficient scorer who's a monster on the glass. Like, that's, he's stable too. Year As to the year. US guys, found out. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, although they did lose today to Serbia, so they're out. Um, they drafted but, Jordan Hawkins, who's going to help their shooting. Yeah, like, I think he's, he's like, a good shooter. Yeah, he'll help their spacing. Uh, you know, can can I, like Trey Murphy? I'm a little like I, I've heard a lot of like, oh, he could be like a 20 point per game guy, and I'm like maybe in in time he can, but I, I'm a, not so sure that he will have the usage to do that. Um, well, and yeah, if he it's does, something, it's something it's something that makes no sense because it's like a misunderstanding of what made Murphy so good last year. They're like, oh, but what if he starts getting some on ball reps? It's like. No, he's playing with McCollum and Ingram and hopefully Zion. Like, let's just—it's okay if he stays in his lane, kind of. Like, he's a really super good yeah, role player. Right. Do you guys think Porter's auto Porter is a good comp for uh, for Trey Murphy? Like a better auto Porter. I think he's already better than Porter ever was. He definitely has more juice than Porter. Like, even if you don't want to be an on-ball creator, he definitely has more capacity in that sense than Porter ever did. I think. Um, and I just trust him more as a shooter already. Yeah. 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 Um. But yeah, I honestly like the Pelicans price is really tempting, but it's also like, do I really want to bet on Zion again? Um, I bet on him for fantasy last year, and let me tell you, very, very infuriating experience because I'm like, I'm gonna win the league. And then Zion's like, No, you're not. You're actually not. <laughs> so fuck you. Um but yeah, I, I again I, I just can't take Dallas in in this division when I'm Memphis and New Orleans are there. I think they're better values and they have more upside. Um Oh, I, I wouldn't bet Dallas, but I do. I think they should be the favorite. That's kind of, I guess. My yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, all right. Do you have any conference bets here? That either of you like for the West? I kind of like. Uh, again, I, I kind of like the Kings. Plus twenty nine hundred. I was. I was about to say. I, I swear to God, I was about to say the Warriors and the Kings. I was going to yeah. say. 
I was going to say, if I, if I had to bet one of the favorites, it would be the Lakers or the Warriors. But my favorite price point is the Kings. Like, dude, the Mavericks plus 1,200 and the Kings plus 2,900. The Pelicans plus 2,300 and the Kings. Like, if you just do relative price comps, it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> I, I don't The Nuggets, too, like, like, the Nuggets are plus 240 and Phoenix is plus 310. Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Like, I'm sorry. Phoenix was a really good offense that lacked a point guard and, and their defense was not particularly inspiring and their depth wasn't great. Did something change this offseason? Like, I, they got Bradley Beal, so what are they going to do? Be, like, a half a point better in offensive rating or something? Like, I don't know. I, I just don't get the price at all. Um, and honestly, I think that's, like, I think it's a little bit disrespectful to Denver, like, and something, they, something, something we learn all the time when Chris Paul leaves teams is that Chris Paul is really good at making teams good. Like it's not like the Suns were this great team before Chris Paul came to Phoenix. Like I, yeah, I understand yeah. the circumstances worked out, but Chris Paul is a magnetic force for winning, at least in the regular season. He just he makes players on his team better. He creates foundations of smart players, and like you're kind of replacing him with the anti-Chris Paul in Bradley Beal. Like, he he puts up better numbers, and but he's never won anything. Like, he's – I don't I, – I think that people are making too big a deal about the Beal over Paul upgrade. Like, is Beal better than Paul right now? Probably. But when you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on your team and you need a smart third option who will know where to space, know when to get his – Know how important defense is. Beal's awful no one at defense. No one right? <laughs> Beal is awful at defense. Paul is still a plus defender, even at his age. Like, I, I don't think that this move is the gigantic upgrade that people are implying it is. I also think, like, per minute, I think Paul is still a much more impactful player than Beal, which are trying to, which are basically like trying to achieve threading the needle to do is like, you're hoping that Beal, one, will be healthier, which, like, I don't know why that's a bet that anybody would care. Well, because Washington has sucked the last few years, so it hasn't really... Right, but he still misses right. games because of injury, not just because they suck. Like, he's missed, he's been injury-prone. Like, it just is what it is. Um, and they, they've not been even, like, a tank team, right? Like, like last year they tanked at the very, very end. But before that, they've always been in a, a team that's annoyingly, like, committed to trying to make a play, right? Um, so, like, and then just his overall impact. Like, the guy's... Uh, awful defender. Like all the numbers say it. It's just been the case. He basically is almost like giving up everything he gives you on offense on the defensive end. But yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm to me to, for them to be the second favorite in the conference, especially like I mean, just looking at this price: Phoenix plus three ten, Golden State plus six hundred, Lakers plus nine hundred. Like that's ridiculous to me. And for them to be, I mean, they're basically being treated as like in the same tier as Denver, and Denver is getting the, uh, you won the championship boost a little bit, but like plus 240 to plus 310, I'm sorry, that's bananas to me. Like, I think Denver is not priced. Something is wrong there. I'll just put it, leave it there. Whether it's Denver being priced too, too uh, low, or like Phoenix being priced, where I guess Denver being priced too high, or Phoenix being priced too low, something is off there. I, I don't see that at all. Yeah, I mean, so I think that in terms of regular season improvement on offense, I would agree with you. I think the bet that they're making is that if all three players are healthy, good luck defending them, right? Um, if, if, meaning Booker, Beal, and um, and Durant. 
I'm interested to see what happens with Eaton uh, if he gets traded or, or what goes on there. Um, I would definitely agree with you. I think Denver seems to be by a, like, just how dominant they were. The fact that Jokic doesn't isn't showing any times um, any um, signs of slowing down. Um, you know, I, they'll probably will load manage Murray a little bit more now. Um, I, I do think they should be the favorite. I think my take is a little bit kind of the opposite of what I was saying in that Pacific Division where I was fading the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors. Um, maybe the Clippers not so much, but I would definitely – I like the Warriors and Lakers value here a lot more because I think – I do think those are just – they are different teams in the playoffs. You get a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD. That gives you such a high floor. The Warriors, we know what they're capable of. We've seen it for a long time. Um Going to like long shots. So I know we talked about how the, the Wolves and Thunder had pretty similar odds in the regular season. Uh, Jeff, you were talking about how you think the Thunder had more candidates for internal improvement. I I kind of like the Timberwolves at 4,200. Um, I feel like that's a solid value because one, they did, I forgot who said this, and those, you know, who was it on the, I don't know if it was Bruce Brown or Theo Pinson who was on the Nuggets, but they said that they actually felt like Minnesota gave them the toughest series. Um, I thought the way that Anthony Edwards played in the playoffs last year um, was really important. Um, he has upside there. Um, I do think, like, with kind of the number of good, like, I think that the towns in Gobert fit can be mitigated in certain scenarios because I think they give you such a high, in the playoffs, I think that, um, the issues that might be created in terms of spacing matter maybe a little bit less, uh, and the benefits on defense in like a slower paced game could be a little bit more. Uh, and I like them a little bit better as a playoff team than, um, and so for them to have the same odds as Oklahoma City, that definitely feels a little bit off to me. Um, I do agree with you guys that the Kings are probably underpriced, but I will say that my thoughts on them are a little bit the same way, the opposite of the regular season. You know the fact that they're they're a pretty deep team. They have a lot of good young players. They're not a good defensive team, and to me, that really caps their their upside in the playoffs. So plus twenty nine hundred is a good price, but I think much like in a way like the Knicks, um, you know, people are, are accounting for the fact that um, you know, or, or what you have suggested about the Knicks, right, is that in the playoffs, it's there there are limitations they have. Um, other than that, though, yeah, I mean, Warriors and, you know, depending on if you feel like the Lakers will make it there and can manage LeBron and AD well, that might be a good bet. Those are probably the two. And then from long shots, I, I actually kind of like Minnesota. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have um, huge thoughts on that. I like I like. I get the argument. I just can't see Minnesota. I, I just can't bet on Carl Towns to win three playoff series. Like I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, um, from a pure value no, perspective, no, I, 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 I imagine that plus forty two hundred will go down. Okay, yeah, down. yeah, I get that. I get that part of it. I just like if you're yeah. if you're doing this to actually bet on them to win the conference, I'm a little bit apprehensive of that. Um, I do. I think the same applies to the Kings, though. I guess for yeah, three I, playoff series with that defense is tough. I guess we can wrap up with. Um, it's final stuff. Like, is there any title bets that you like? Um, I, I think I, I, I'm very, I usually like to wait till I see a little bit of the season before I make any title bets. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I will say this. I'd like, I think Nuggets Celtics, that's plus 950 for both them to, to square off in the finals. I kind of like that. Um, 
I know the Celtics have only gone to one finals, and obviously I I'm very concerned about their injury risks. Um, but I think the ceiling for them, if KP is right, is significant, and um, I'm less worried about them in the playoffs than I am in the regular season. I think, although their end of game playoff stuff has been a disaster now for like five years, so uh, maybe I'm just an idiot. But I, I do. I think the fi- the the finalists, like if you can bet on that, if your book gives you that option, those are you can get better prices there right now than um, betting on like who will win the championship. Um, although I think it's funny that the Knicks have worse championship odds than the Mavericks. So that's just like sig- significantly worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have, they have significantly worse odds than the Cavs, who they like. I get it. It's not a one-on-one matchup, but they're almost three times worse odds than the Cavs. Um, yeah. I think that's a great value for, for the same reasons I was saying before. They were really damn close last year. I think there's there's candidates for internal improvement. Um, they're going to be a better regular season team. And I, uh, barring a Dame, Dame trade, I just don't think anyone's gotten that much better to suggest that they're this much of a long shot. I mean, they have lower odds than, um, they lower, you know, they, they, they have almost again almost three times worse odds than the clippers um and and the east is kind of wide open so their 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 price point makes no sense like if you just look at it relative to not only their competition but relative to their odds to win the conference like they're basically saying that even if the knicks win the conference they're only like 25 percent to win an nba finals matchup in a vacuum which doesn't make any sense because they're plus 1800 to win the conference and plus 5,500 is like a third, whatever. Yeah, so that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense to people. But um, so like just naturally, if you like, if you think they have a chance to win the conference, this is another bet that is just from a pure value perspective is a good number. The other one that's like that is the Warriors. Um, they're plus 600 to win the conference, mm. plus 1,400 to win the finals. So the the market is telling us that they they would expect the Warriors to be an underdog in the finals more often than they're a favorite. Which when I they just beat the they just beat the the favorite in the East two years right. ago, right? So I would yeah, I, I would think Boston's a little that. better, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So yeah, I would say wait on final stuff, but I agree. I think this next price is ridiculous. I generally don't understand it all, and in general, like I mean, we've talked about this basically throughout, but like the next prices to me are. They seem off, like the division, the conference, the title. Like I think they're just being undervalued. And again, like we talked about, maybe you don't hold this all the way through, but I, I do feel like the odds will shorten up on them. Yeah, I think the two things that are confounding right now is one: there's how do you price Miami is weird. One: how much do you react to the playoffs, and how do you price in a Dame trade? And the other part is, again, I don't think the market knows how to price Philly yet either. Um, given all the hardened shit, but I think those are two things. Like when you look back in a couple of months, I would imagine that things adjust. Like, and and people can see that oh, the Knicks weren't a fluke; they actually have a lot of talented players. Uh, I think they'll probably, in time, be properly valued. Yep, I'm with you. Um, all right, I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on. Let's know where they can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug. Um. Frank Barrett eleven nine on Twitter, though I think that's going to be changing soon. So we'll see. Um, might be might be retiring the the uh, pseudonym. Um, yeah, as you mentioned at the start, um, we've got strictly NFL 
NFL podcast about the Jets and Giants. Uh, I thought our first episode went really well. Uh, Khan is just super smart. Uh, he's worth the price of admission by himself. But, you know, I'd like to think that I I hold my own a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll be, ma- we'll be releasing episodes weekly. We're actually going to record right after I hop off this podcast. Uh, quite the day I have. Yeah, I think anyone who's listening should check that out. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on again, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Stacy, let the people know where they can find you. Plug anything you like to plug. Uh, Stacy Patton 89. I will pl- I'll echo what Jeff said and plug that pod. Uh, really looking forward to it um, and just very excited for football season, but you should definitely check that out. And uh, other than that, yeah, you can find me at Stacy Patton 89 on Twitter. X, yeah. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have nothing to plug personally, but I will plug Strictly NFL. Uh, the first episode was really good. As uh, Jeff mentioned, Khan definitely knows his shit. And um, yeah, I, I I would say it is worth uh, worth the price of admission. So uh, definitely give that a spin on your uh, wherever you stream podcasts. Uh, thank you again to our sponsor, Bet Online. This is our show for today. I hope everybody has a great week and short week. Hope everybody enjoyed their long weekend. Hope everybody's surviving the end of summer, I guess. Uh, Anyways, that is our show for today. Hope everybody's a great week, and I'll see you on Friday. Bye.